Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Online, DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight Night, live from New York City. The fight starts now. With Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies on Talk Sport, the home of boxing. Good evening and welcome to New York City. This is Talk Sport, your home of boxing for a fight night special in association with BT Sports. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davies uh, alongside me as we build you right up towards Crawford versus Khan. We've got a splattering of some of the very best guests the boxing world has got to offer. Joining us over the next three hours, and hopefully you can stick with us for the ride uh, as you maybe set your alarm for an early morning get-up, or maybe you're going all the way through uh, before these guys throw down at Madison Square Garden. Coming up shortly, Barry Jones and John Rowling, they're going to be calling the fight on BT Sport. They're going to be setting the scene for us. Richard Comey, the IBF lightweight champion, will be joining us for a little bit of a chinwag. We'll hear from Amir Khan and... One of my favourites of all time, pound for pound great, Andre Ward is on this show. If you need your whistle wetting any further, take a listen to this. Here comes the Olympic pride of England, the defending champion, Amir King Kong. I've won everything I needed to. I think this is probably one of my last chapters of my career. This is like... And you see Khan's movement, his range, his height looks imposing, and the jab is terrific. Left hand fucks off the head of Khan, Khan's knockout shots look more convincing. Good, 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 good stoppage, stoppage by Steve Smoger. Well done. And the eyes of judges, incidentally, oh. he's at least oh. And down goes Madonna. Oh. What a tremendous body stop. And he may not get up. So in 40 seconds. Terence is up there being one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world and having a world title as well. Born and bred in Omaha, Nebraska, Terence Bergruffer. Mainly I just worry about keep winning and then everything else will fall into place, but sometimes I do think about the pound-for-pound pound list, being that I feel like I should be number one instead of number two. Good body shot by Crawford. Down goes Hank Bundy on a Crawford left hand. But I'm not moving too fast. My main focus is on American right now, and then after that fight, then we can go from there. what I can 
get another big fight in crime. My very hardest to get another title, and this is where I'm now going into a title fight. So if I win this fight, uh, and then I'll probably have the rematch, then I'll probably call it a day. The scene is set. New York City is the place. Madison Square Garden, the venue for Terence Crawford versus Amir Khan. This show is yours as much as it is ours, so we want you to cor correspond with us uh, via social media, at Adam Catterall, at Gareth A. Davis, DT. That's how you can get in contact and share your thoughts on how you think this is going to go down in the early hours of the morning. Gareth, it's a pleasure to be back on the radio with you. It's oh, with you too, and it's been a brilliant week, actually. Fantastic to be here. It's always a major occasion when the, the Grand Hall at Madison Square Garden is in play, and especially when we've got a Brit. We've had so many Brits fighting here down the years. Ken Buchanan, um, Lennox Lewis, N Nassim Hamid, Ricky Hatton in his second fight fought here, remember, and now Amir Khan returns to the scene of his first fight. His, this is his ninth fight in America, and he's fighting... The fight he wanted, he chased Manny Pacquiao, he chased Floyd Mayweather, these huge names from the sport, and he's finally pretty much at his last trading post, if you like, getting a guy who many people think is the pound-for-pound pound number one in the world. I have him as one, two, or three. But Terence Crawford is, is a model in brilliant American boxing and also, Adam, with an incredible backstory. Right, we've got the who's who uh, of the boxing world on the show with us uh, to discuss this fight tonight. Uh, Barry Jones, uh, John Rowling, Richard Comey, Amir Khan himself, and we'll be hearing from Andre Ward a little bit later on. Uh, a lot of those people are going to come and join us and obviously speak about mm -hmm. Amir uh, and their feelings towards the fight tonight. But what I want to do, I want to start the show off by just maybe giving a little bit of a backstory on Terence Crawford Let's because our audience might not necessarily know too much mm. uh, about this guy that we are building is the pound for pound best in the world well funnily funnily enough we got to see him five years ago up in glasgow when he came into it the world lightweight crown from ricky burns and he looked fantastic that night his timing was brilliant he didn't say a lot when he was over there and he was a bit edgy and moody the whole time never really got a chance to get into him and same get... as this week then yeah the same <laughs> but five years on He's moved up three weight divisions. He's undefeated in 34 fights. He's now promoted by arguably the greatest, I think we can call Bob Arum now, the greatest promoter in history. Who else has been at it for 55 years? He's a genius, Bob Arum, and we've had fun with him this week as well. So Terence Crawford is beautifully placed, and I think this fight for Terence Crawford, in his mind, represents one of the biggest names he's ever fought. Mm -hmm. Khan isn't at the height of his powers, but he's a big name on the resume. Uh, he's chalking up a significant... I think, I think Crawford is only 60% into his career, and I think there are much bigger fights out there for him. The other major welterweights in the division, people like Errol Spence, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, all these guys. But more than that, what he now has, he's a very reticent talker, as you say, um, but what he has got, he's got this backstory that will resonate as he becomes more famous. He grows up uh, in, the, in the hood, in the ghetto in, in Omaha, Nebraska. He's... He's a quiet kid. He fails to make the U.S. Olympic trials, even though he's really talented. So in 2007, he turns pro. He loses in the USA trials for the Olympics, turns pro. He's had four pro fights. He's used to shooting craps quite a lot. He plays dice. dice he gambles yeah. dice. That's what they do down there. And, uh, and one night, up when he's 4-0, and he's had four wins, no losses. Um, he goes out gambling. And, you know, this is a kid, remember, who is in a gym where the, the CW uh, boxing gym in Omaha, where there's 
the Omaha Bloods and Crips, the Gangster Disciples, the Insane Vice Lords. You know what these people are, by the way. Um, and his future trainer, Brian McIntyre. They're all gang members. They're all gangbangers, as they call them over here. That's what they're called. Um, he's never been in a gang, but he's around that. He's fighting with all these guys. He's ex-cons. He's gang members. So he goes and plays um, Dice. Earlier that day, there'd been a fight between Bloods and Crips. He'd been sprayed by a cop, by Mace, for no reason. Cleaned himself up with milk, got the stuff off him, had a pizza, went to shoot some craps. At 1.34am, he's had an argument with a, the nightclub bouncer, gets into his 86 Cutlass, and then suddenly the back window shatters. Twelve bullets go through the back of mm. it. And one bullet just grazes the back of his neck and his skull. He's bleeding to death. He drives himself to hospital, and it's kind of an epiphany for him. He, he wakes up, and his trainer's there, and it saved his life. From then, and he has had a few other altercations, he's actually still on probation at the moment. He had a fight with the police at one mm. point, um, and he attacked a guy who was repairing that cutlass, that cutlass car. He is now working in Rwanda with an ex-high uh, school teacher, mm -hmm. giving medical supplies to kids in villages in Rwanda. He's bought a, a five-acre farm, a 20-acre farm, where he's going to bring up his five little kids. He's got, it's, I mean, I could go on and on and he's on. He's big into his dogs. He's big into his dogs. He's mm -hmm. got an amazing backstory. He just wants to, to be a great father and one of the greatest boxers ever. Mm -hmm. This week, Bob Arum told me, Adam, that he, he compares him to two great welterweights or stroke middleweights from the 80s. Sugar Ray Leonard in terms of ability. Mm -hmm. and Marvin Hagler that he never pulls a dollar note out of his pocket because he keeps all his money. <laughs> and, and, and because Marvin held on to all his money and never spent it and was very sensible. And Sugar Ray, of course, went on to be one of the most scintillating boxers we've ever seen. If Crawford can live up to those two things, he is on the way to megastardom. What, well, on the way to megastardom, you've got to transcend the sport, haven't you? You've got to appeal to the fan that might not necessarily be the hardcore boxing fan. You've got to appeal to maybe the football fan. Does he do that? Because the, the question is untalented, uh, unquestionable yeah. in the ring. Yeah. He's definitely got that. But does he have the personality to, to get into all the living rooms? It's a, it's a weird thing. I remember when Carl Froch had the, one of the most amazing fights live I've ever seen against Jean Pascal in Nottingham, and he won the WBC super middleweight title. And afterwards, he stuck his arms in the air, and he said to the interviewer, I'm a superstar now. No, he wasn't, unfortunately. The public decides when you become a superstar. That moment hasn't happened for Terence Crawford yet. But in this giant wave of boxing that's coming again in America, Tyson Fury's with top rank and ESPN over here. That'll generate more interest. The big fights in the welterweight division, if they can be made for Terence Crawford, and the genius, as I say, that is Bob Arum, if there is a moment to create that X factor for him, it will come, but it hasn't come yet. But Tonight. this night is... yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I must have been one you were. <laughs> I'm just so excited tonight. Yeah, this is one of those nights. Mm. This is clearly one of those nights. Mm. Uh, do stick with us. Uh, you are listening to a fight night special from New York City in association uh, with BT Sport. The boys on BT Sport that are going to be calling you through this fight in the early hours of the morning have arrived. They are sat on the table with us. Uh, Barry Jones and John Rowling are on the show next. Start spreading the news. I can't stop myself singing, Adam. I'm this is Fight Night kickoff <laughs> special on TalkSport in partnership with BT Sport Box Office. Watch Crawford versus Carl on this Saturday night only on BT Sport Box Office. And two men whose dulcet tones you will be hearing in the early hours of the morning calling you through this fight uh, is former world champ Barry Jones and John Rowling, our very own John Rowling. 
Look at these boys. They're ex look at you. Excited, ready to rock and roll to call through yet another monstrous fight. You boys have been in stadiums all across America calling some of the very best fights that there has ever been. John, I'll come to you first. Is there anything better than calling a fight at Madison Square Garden? I think Madison Square Garden's just got an am amazing atmosphere. You know, I mean, the, the word iconic in uh, sport nowadays is, a, is an overused word. But Madison Square Garden kind of has that status. First time I did a fight here was back on December the 19th, 1997, when uh, Amir Khan came across and fought Kevin Kelly. And what a night that was. Nazim Ahmed. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but I get That's it. A good start. You know what I'm trying to say. Big allowances for John being very, very old. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was a great night. And I mean, I was here when Lennox Lewis fought Ray Mercer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there have been some fun fantastic nights here. And you look around the auditorium when you're in it, Barry. And I mean, it's just, it's a stunning, stunning you, place you know to have a fight, I, isn't it? I, mean, I was making a list this week of all the great fighters that have topped the bill in Madison Square Gardens. And I gave up because the list is endless. Mm -hmm. you, you're better off making a list of great fighters who didn't top the bill, mm -hmm. to be honest. And that's, and that's very few. So I think it's a bucket list. For, for not just for any fight, for great, and, and for great well, fights. Well, let's throw some of those names out there. Sugar Ray Robinson, Jake LaMotta for a start. Yeah. Um, Jack Dempsey, Bill Brennan. His only appearance. Exactly. Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, one of the most well, famous that, fights here, That's of the one, isn't it? I mean, you talk to any old New York fight fan, and that's the one they want to talk about, 1971. And you played yeah. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra had a pass, has a, had a pass as a photographer for oh, that fight. Yeah. And he Bert, was Lanc Bert Lancaster was doing commentary to get front row as well. <laughs> I and, 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 well, what, and, what was the atmosphere like ringside? <laughs> <laughs> and in 1920 as well. With, 1920 uh, was tremendous. Different, different Madison Square Garden. Yes, yes, yes it was. Yeah. 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 Regarding, we were just speaking before you guys came onto the show about that breakout moment for Terence Crawford. Yeah. Do you see that, Barry? That this is his moment tonight to really transcend the sport? I, I think I do because especially with, with also with it being the fact that it, that it is on ESPN, which is a huge platform for Terence Crawford. I think this, and Amir can be a big name and a big draw, if he puts on a good performance tonight, I think this could be his breakup moment. It's hard to sell, as, as you guys, I was listening to you guys earlier, about his, maybe his lack of personality out of the ring. And you have to transcend the sport with something special. Yeah. It's just because modern mo the, the the youngsters want trash talking today, don't they? They it is part of it's well, part I, of I the think, internet. I, it's part of it's part of the him. build up of fights. But, but I think it's in him. Yeah, yeah. I think but, it's, you can see he's, you can see he can be a nasty fellow. Oh, he know? told Jeff Horn he wanted to crush his skull. Remember, he had a, he had a scrap at the way in. He, mm. he let his hands go at the way in so last I, time, but he needs pricking, doesn't he? Well, he but, tried to intimidate Amir at the way in yesterday, didn't he? And Amir wasn't having any of it. It was brilliant, just, actually. He, he just walked, walked, walked away. away. It was brilliant. Mm. But now, this is his spotlight moment, and I think once he gets used to being in the spotlight, he will start to, to put on a show, start acting outside the ring. And there'll be people around him, I'm sure, helping him produce the, the goods outside he, the ring. He can produce the goods inside the ring. There's no problem there with his performances, but he needs work... Is, 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 image worked on outside whether it's it's the it's not he can't be the boy next door because of the life he's led but i mean whether it's the you know the, the come from nothing to something guy or whether he's a nasty piece of work whatever they're going to use that angle to get him there they need to use it quick because to become a superstar as you guys rightly said you have to do something better than just be a fantastic fighter mm. he's one of those guys i mean different fighters react in different ways when the pressure of the big occasions approaching isn't he when he was over in london doing the initial press conference when it was announced yeah. You know, I mean, he was fine then. He was relaxed. He it was actually was quite, quite funny. There's yeah, a bit, he, a bit he, of chat he about it. He was good. It? He was in good form there. But as the fight gets closer, you know, Gareth was saying he's always like that. And he's one of those who gets surly, 
tense, almost monosyllabic mm. when the fight approaches. It's just how he is, and I'm not convinced that you're ever going to really change that. No, mm. but, but what's great about him is, I think, given that he's only a year younger than Amir Khan, he's 34 fights unbeaten, he's not weather-worn, he's a guy that could go 50 fights in... He could fight for five more years, I think. He hasn't taken a lot of punishment. Oh, so in many ways, he's a very late starter, it's, isn't he? And it, it's an advantage right now. In this era, in this, in this time of boxing, age is almost a non-factor anymore. Mm. You know, when I, when I was fighting and when John was first like, commentating in the, in the 30s... <laughs> <laughs> a, a guy, no, By the way, you'll be able to get all this on BT Sport <laughs> in the early hours of the morning. I will, I will get my revenge. I'm not just in this gonna, life or I'm the not, next. I'm not just going to take it, I tell you. <laughs> You've come onto his platform and you're mugging him off, so you're going to have to do him <laughs> on the TV later on. That's what you're going to do. He uses, what, what he does, he uses big words, and he knows I don't, I don't understand what he's saying. Oh, don't be so saying. pernicious. I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm not a lover of a, a, a fish. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but, but either way, I think, you know, that the main thing is he's a fantastic fighter, and, and you would like to think that it's just his style it will, will sell itself. And I yeah. think that, that's the important thing. He has to concentrate on that as well as his image. But the, the fact that, that ESPN vehicle no, oh, it's huge. It's, 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 the biggest, it's the biggest sporting thing in the world, isn't it? The, yeah. on the platform in the world. So, you know, that will, will maybe force him into people's homes. And once the people see him, and once you see this kid fight, you want to see him again. Exactly. Barry, we, we've got um, uh, Andre Ward on the show a little bit later on. Me and Gary spoke to him yesterday. And we, we brought up that pound-for-pound pound debate. There's always that. Is it is it him? Is it Lomachenko? Is it Usyk? Where does he sit for you? He's, I think he's in the top three. I, I got Lomachenko as number one. I, yeah. I just think, you know, he, for, for so many little fights of what he's done already and... He's just beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely beautiful to watch. He really is, and and, and but Crawford's no up there. He certainly is up there. But he needs he needs a few more names on the resume. I think a few more nights after Amir Khan puts him very does, up. You got you got Spence two or three. No, below. You, and who have you got? Way below. You've got Vasil Lomachenko at one then. Yeah, I got, I got Lomachenko at one. Like I, I would have Crawford around around two or three. Canelo. But then, no, I got Canelo again a little bit. Though. I think Canelo's brilliant, by the way, but I, I still can't get my mind over that. I still thought he lost the two Golovkin fights. Yeah, I didn't argue about it, but I thought he lost them both. And but and also with the problems he've had with, with other stuff, that, yeah. that sort of puts a, a taint in of my course. mind. But you, the, 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 <laughs> Good choice of word, taint. Drugs, yeah. I like <laughs> drugs, and we're going to talk about them tonight but as well. Who's up there? Yeah, who's it? Who's Again, it's not about who's of course, but who's going into everyone's backyard and beating them? Yeah. With no fear at all. It's, it's something fantastic. Something that actually Crawford did to win his first world title. Yes. To go to the guys, go to the box of Ricky Burns. It was still a good Ricky Burns by then, let's not forget. Still a good Ricky Burns. And to go there and just, you know, without being spiteful, play with him. Mm. They just worked him out and just kind of completely outboxed him and befuddled him, didn't he? He is a boxer. Uh, he's a pure boxer, uh, Crawford, with a nasty streak. Now that's, yeah. that's that's few and far between. You're either one or the other. Yes. And he's, he has it both. He has both. And, and, that's, and that's a. A difficult uh, puzzle to, to is he the most complete view because of well you can, sometimes you can't even tell is he a southpaw is he an well, orthodox fighter the what? switch is unbelievable he, 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 you mentioned Marvin Hagler earlier and I think he's like that you can't really you know you you can almost can't see which is his natural style yeah. I know he loves he's southpaw first and foremost but he, he switches so fluently I don't mean the actual switch I mean the, actual, the way he fights no, sometimes when someone switches from Salpo to Orthodox, they can't defend right or something like that. But his foot placement's perfect. He does everything. It's almost a, a mirror image of, of what he does Salpo. He's just yeah. Orthodox. And, oh. and that's, and that's a, a Marvin Hagler thing. So there's a, there's a great segue. I don't there. know whether it's always been this way, but um, we talk about those top five in the world at the moment with Crawford, Usyk, Canelo, Spence and uh, Lomachenko. Yeah. 
they are all brilliant offensive counterpunchers, aren't they? When, when they're at their very best. And that's very hard to fight against Barry, isn't it? You know, you know? We, did, we did a thing on BT Sport, the breakdown of the fight. And Ben Davidson, obviously, you know, um, Tyson Fury's coach. Yeah. He, he said he forces you to do what you don't want to do. Exactly. Uh, you know, he manipulates you. That's, that's the words, exactly words he used. I, again, big words I don't understand. But <laughs> he manipulates his opponent. You're selling yourself short here. Go on, carry on now. Less of the short talk. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is a boxer with a nasty streak. <laughs> yeah, careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, but with, but with no power, which <laughs> means I got put down quite a lot. But, <laughs> but either, way, he, either way, he manipulates his opponent's movements. He forces them to make a mistake. And I think, and he does it with, and it's like, like every great fighter, Golovkin does it with the feet. He does it with the feet, but not not so much menacing. It, it's clever. That front foot darting and out, he forces you to make a mistake. But he always sits on that back foot. And he's got a really long arms for his height, as Terence Crawford. So he and that's the problem for Khan tonight. Well, you have to change the pattern of the fight against these guys to to beat them, and that where that's where the difficulty. When you're lie. listening, when you're listening to all this, and you're hearing sort of the guy being talked about as absolutely the complete package, then you realise the magnitude of what Amir Khan's taking on here. Mm. And I, it, it continues to frustrate me, or annoy me almost, you know, sort of some of the keyboard warriors who are always on Khan's case. I think that when you look back at his career, maybe, maybe he's going to pull off something extraordinary tonight. We don't know. But when you look back at his career, I think it's something to be admired, not to be ridiculed. Oh, I think he's, he has taken on just about everybody out there. And he's never sold himself short. He's got the heart of a lion. And I think that he will, when he leaves the sport, I think anybody who can't recognise his tremendous qualities as a, as a fighter and to a large extent as a bloke as well because he's had, to, he's had to live his life absolutely under the microscope of celebrity. But because of that, you know, I think he de deserves enormous credit and I think he deserves tremendous credit for taking this fight. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And what we're going to do, I think, next uh, with both of you, if you can stick around for a moment or two, just try and pick a way of how Amir Khan goes about fighting Terence Crawford tonight. Sure. What type of performance is actually needed in uh, in order for him to pull off what uh, John was just alluding to there and a monumental task in front of him. You're listening to Fight Night. It's a special with BT Sport live from New York here on TalkSport. It's a fight night special in association with BT Sport, live from New York. I'm Adam Cattrall, Gareth Davis, uh, alongside me, former world champion, uh, Barry Jones, and John Rowling, uh, still with us. And John brought up a wonderful point just before we went to the break there about Amir Khan and his career. Uh, and maybe a little bit of shade that he gets from British fight fans, you know. They do throw a little bit of shade his way. And if you look, I think I saw a stat earlier on this week that this is his 13th world champion that he's got in, getting in the ring with, you know. And some of them have been, you know, ridiculous challenges that he's taken. The Canelo won at middleweight, and I think we'd all ag agree with that. But if you, if you look at performances like Marcus Mardana, Devin Alexander, yeah. they're world-class performances. Andreas Kotelnik to begin world with. World-class performances. And he's never been dull. Oh, you know, oh no! He'll he's never the most entertaining. Right. Listen, you know, from right going right back to the Olympics in, in Athens. You know, I mean, he's he's right the way through from a 17-year-old to now at the age of 32. He's 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 never been dull. I mean, outside the ring, he's been he's been entertaining. <laughs> the, the, and, and is he going to is he going to be in an exciting fight? Is what's been his undoing most yes. of the times. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if he if he gets in there and starts trading with uh, with Crawford tonight, that's. That's not a great. That's not a great plan. I don't think, mm. and I don't think that uh, Virgil Hunter will have will have 
allowed him to even contemplate getting into that sort of scenario. You know, he's going to have to maintain, as he said in the interviews, he's going to have to maintain concentration for 12 rounds of the fight and one lapse, they know, can be the end of it. Last week, having spoken to Anthony Crawler going into the Lomachenko fight, the way that he was describing tactically going into the fight, he was breaking himself right down and trying to come up with a game plan to specifically beat Lomachenko, which was maybe a little bit alien to his own styles. Yeah. Can you do that, really? Or have you got to go and do the best version of yourself, Barry? I think you can try little things to make a difference, but your style is your style. And so what you do for 12 weeks, 10 weeks, whatever your training camp is, you know, against a, a fighter at this level, you can't think you're, something new, you're doing something new is going to be good enough to be the guy who's just doing the things he's been doing all his life. So you have to really take what you do. The, if, the, if, the best, if the very best of you is not good enough to be the very best of him, then he's too good for you. Yes. That's just the bottom line. So uh, you won a world title. You'll, you'll have been... You'll have I did. You, indeed. You'll, you'll have put yourself... <laughs> you retired at 25, unbelievably, yeah. as well. Do you know... know? I, it was just the, you know with the modelling as well as the as the boxing. You know, <laughs> I had a, is it, is, what are you laughing? Sorry, for? I apologise. Okay, yeah, yes, yes. no, it, yeah. Well, obviously, I had I had problems with scans and stuff, and and you know, even though I got my licence back yet. Yeah, it was it was something that I felt all over the sport. I think. But, but you've been there and done it at the very highest level, is what I'm saying, Barry. And the the thing is, you will have put yourself mentally in Amir Khan's shoes. You know his yeah. shapes. You know the silhouette. You know how he moves. What John was saying just now, surely Khan has to try and put a dent in Crawford it's, early on. He has to. Well, he does, but Otherwise I think... Otherwise, he'll have, no, he'll, he won't have the guy's be, respect. Got to be educated, though, that's what it I has, was saying. He needs the guy's and, respect. Don't, don't the just word, go in and throw the kitchen sink at him. The word for Amir Khan is discipline. And, and that's been his biggest problem throughout his career. All his losses have been when he's, been, he's either been caught throwing punches or the other fight that's got really physical, like Peterson, made a real rough affair. But he's not used to, he's not used to that, so he, he'd never been on box before. But he might be against a guy who can outbox him tonight. Because even though Amir can go super fast hands in combination punches, and he has, and that's a strength of his, he always throws six and seven and eights. Mm. No, when he's with Freddie Roach, Freddie Roach had him boxing a bit like, a, fours, a, yeah. a, a, like Manny Pacquiao, because they both had fast hands and mm. fast feet. So you move around the target and constantly throw punches, except Amir doesn't move around the target. He comes in and out. That amateur system, why you, that, why you won a silver medal in the Olympics, it, it's so effective. A style that, I, that I'm a fan of, by the way, except the problem with that is you throw too many shots and the guy knows that you may be a little bit weaker on the chin than you'd like. And, and he, Crawford switches and throws a check hook or whatever he throws. He'll, he'll, you know what I mean? Like, so, or you get a left hook like Danny Gassi, yeah. and he just throws. He thinks, well, you know, I, I might take one or two, but I'll throw. Who I'll, knocked I'll him I'll out when Calm was ahead in so that fight? So I think fight, that's. Yeah. I think the discipline. But, mm. but what Hunt, what what Fuzzle Hunter did in the first few fights, the collateral fight was a good one. You know, to a, a point to make as well. I think Alexander as well is. He didn't throw six and seven. He threw three, and then he, he pivoted. He, on, moved, the, he pivoted yeah. on the front foot and take a different angle out, and yes. that's important. So when the guy got to attack, and it's only milliseconds we're talking here. But that little, that little time it takes me to turn, you're gone. There's the game plan. And it has that, to be, doesn't it? And by the way, Amir Khan's, has to be. Amir Khan's footwork, in and out, is very erratic. One thing which you can... It's hard to read, so one that helps thing, One thing you can definitely say about Amir is that there's no chance that he's going to freeze because no. he's had so much experience. He knows exactly the sort of atmosphere. He knows what's at stake. He's been he on the big occasions. And he knows, he knows how to cope it, with it. The question is, or the big question for me, I mean, it's the one which you know, people sort of fight shy of saying it, is he shot? Mm. Can he still take it? You is, know, if I, he, for me, he is, on, he is on the other side of his peak, for me, most definitely. And I think, I think maybe Crawford it might have too much for him at his peak. 
I think no, you have to say, and you have to just see with what you've seen in the last few fights from both, and you have to think that maybe Crawford will probably have well, too much for him. He's again. got the fight because he looked so awful against Vargas, hasn't yes. he? In the last contest. Samuel Vargas in the UK yeah. last year, where yeah. he should have put him away, and he was actually he, well, he, 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 he down, was absolutely he? handpicked to make Amir look mm. as good as possible, and there were times in that fight he looked as though he was mm. going to get knocked out. Regarding, because you alluded to this just before the break, John, about the fantastic performances that Amir has put in down the years. What mm. has been his best performance for you? Cool. That's a that's a probably Maidana. Yeah. I think for me. But if he gets involved in a Maidana style fight tonight with Terence Crawford because at the end of that, it's rock and sock and robots, isn't it? You know what I mean? He took a lot of punishing there. <laughs> tenth round, he was you wouldn't like, Tenth round is extraordinary. You wouldn't he like got him stopped. to be doing that with Terence Crawford. I would like him to be doing what you were all alluded to before, the, the Devin Alexander performance. Yes. That's, I think, what he needs tonight. The only thing is, Terence Crawford's a far better fighter than Devin Alexander. That's not disrespect well, to Devin Alexander. Well, well, well also, Devin, Devin doesn't switch. He was, he's, he's yes, south forward, yeah, isn't he? And, he? and he danced around him. with. He say, hit him with three-punch combinations and moved and moved. Talking about switching, everyone's saying, you know, and he will start a softball, Terence Crawford, and people no, with a softball against Amir Khan, you think that's, a, that's the right thing to do because mm. it takes away his jab yeah. and then it means he's got to dart in. But Amir darts in very effectively with a long right hand. So for me, I think it's, I think it's, it's a hard task for either way for Khan. It's, it's almost hard. I feel sorry because it's hard to make a case for him. But if, if, for me, Crawford to win, if he, if he turns orthodox, yes. Amir's always been a sucker for a right, straight right hand right on the guard. And I think if he turns orthodox, it might be a shorter fight than what everyone's predicting. So mm. I think for Crawford's camp, they, I would say go orthodox, put pressure on him straight away. But I think he might allow Khan, you want Khan to rush at you. You just got to be confident enough to sit a little low, let two punches come over your head and throw. And someone like, as he's shown all week, I think Crawford, confident, arrogant a little bit and yeah. that's, that's a champion's arrogance that they need that they think no way no chance in the, in the, the world seams. can you beat me the seems this week with Terence Crawford more so than I've seen in the past that there's a nastiness about him that he's chip th- yeah, that he's yeah. Th- maybe, maybe last week's performance with Lomachenko and everybody going crazy Lomachenko's the number one is there that in the back of his head thinking well hang on a minute I'm the number one and you kind of fear he, a little he bit. He he is. Yeah, so you kind of fear a little bit for Amir tonight. With what you just yeah. said there, he's going to go in there and try and make a massive statement. But I tell you something, though. There's no pressure on Cam. No one gives him a chance. No. No one gives him a chance. Is there more pressure on Terence tonight? Oh, no I pressure think so, on Terence. Definitely. definitely. The Adel Spence fight loom. No, who's the best in the world? No, he's arguing about that. It's no, And he's going to be there tonight. All the guys who are going to be there want to push him. They think it's a... He thinks... They even thinks in America probably it's a walk in the so park. So the manner of the victory is important for him this More than that. And that might, that might force him to make mistakes. That's, so that's a, that's a positive for, for Amir Khan. There'll be a lot of people in the in the fight game in back in the UK who'll be listening right now to this. And I know from some of the messages and texts I've been receiving, people really, really want Amir to go out there yeah, and show you know, mm. go turn back the clock if you like mm. and produce an absolutely brilliant performance. There's a huge warmth actually yeah, within so. boxing for Amir. Yeah. And they, they people want to see him do it. There's there's a huge affection for him. And what everybody fears is him being sort of carried out of the ring. Banjoed but, but, is the but, word I think. Yeah. You know? But the sport wants to see him produce one more great performance. They mm. really do. But the thing is about Crawford as well, um, he doesn't just want to be one of the pound-for-pound pound greats. He's said it this week, I want to be seen as one of the greats of all time. And and so therefore he'll be looking to make a statement. What are you picking, guys? Oh, I think what everyone else is picking. Like Campbell, old, yeah. Campbell will be competitive at early doors because of the hand speed alone make, gives him an opportunity you know, to be in the fight. But he makes mistakes. Uh, only little mistakes, but when he's doing well, it's normally it's when as he's doing fatigue, well, yeah. as fatigue sets in. Yeah, as well. yeah, and if the, sp- if the speed diminishes, or if he comes out in the straight lines with his chin in the air like he did with, with Vargas, then you just think in the middle of the late rounds, Crawford will 
maybe capitalise. Catch him, yeah. So Khan's good for six, basically. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him ahead at half. But, but, but you have to say about Khan. That's saying going out in your shield was just made for him. Mm. It's just made for this hut the way that, he is. That's what fight fans want, though, isn't oh, it? Well, when, when we're buying a ticket yes, for an course. event, you want to turn up and you want to go, I'm going to be guaranteed entertainment tonight. And but, I've never been at a Mia Khan fight. It'd be done. Adam, if he pulled it off, oh, I mean, oh, that, would, that would go up there with, with Lloyd, Lloyd Hannigan and, and Donald Curry. Curry. Well, with, where is it for you guys? John H. It, Tracy it, being... It is up there because at the time, you've just oh. mentioned Donald Curry's name. He was pound for pound number one. We're talking about pound for pound number one and this is what he's up against today. It's that magnitude of performance and if he pulls this off you know I hope that everybody will actually give him the credit that he's deserved and people won't start sort of rewriting history and saying oh Crawford never was what he was but the thing is with Crawford you know they will though what, what, what you can't say about what you can't say about Crawford is one of these oh you know when he's past his best no, he's, he's there right he's now. Prime. He's prime. He's at the, the right the, age. But, but the other thing about Khan is, regardless of what anyone says about his boxing career, he, as a star, he's transcended the sport. There's no question yeah, yeah. about it. For the British-Pakistani Muslim community, yeah. globally, with his charities, he is genuinely a star. It's what Bob Arum told me this week. Gareth, That side of the sport, he's got everything that turns Khan because and he sells and he's a and star. That's, and that's, that's, a, that's a plus for him because this big occasion doesn't bother him. That's, yeah. a, that's a really fantastically poor... Impression, but no, 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 Tiffy Malopez, Shaka Stevenson on the undercard as well. Sensei, and competitive fights as well for those boys. Possibly Very the two good. best prospects in the world Correct. right now, to be honest. And, and to see them in two competitive fights, because they're, they're both, they're, they're all those fighters, those four fighters, I think are all in the top 15 in every organisation. And they're real tests for the two of these guys, but they, they, they look a little bit special for me. Yes. And, and, and Stevenson, I pick Stevenson, my best prospect. I know a lot of people think that the other guy is, but I think Stevenson might be another future star. There's a guy on the bill as well, and Barry and I have been having a little bit of a chuckle about it. Charles got, Adamus. Charles Adamus. He's got, is it 35, yes, 35, 35 siblings. siblings? Same dad, 11 different mums. No. Is that 11 right? of the kids are with a different mum. So two mums, oh, 35, right. 35, 36 oh, right? children, oh, sorry. two mums, one dad, where are you going? And I, that's an listen, NFL team. This, not this is the type of conversation team. and banter that we're going to get on BT Sport in the early hours the, of the, the morning. The first thing I looked for was he from Wales? <laughs> <laughs> Gents, thank you so much for being here tonight. Do stick with us. Yeah. You are listening to uh, Fight Night Live from New York here in New York uh, it, on Talksport in New York City. David Lorca is going to be on the show next, uh, talking about the importance of social media on building those platforms, building those personalities, and making superstars out of the boxing game. a fight night special in association with BT Sport live from New York City we're across the road from Madison Square Garden in the early hours of the morning it is of course Terence Crawford versus 
Amir Khan. Looking forward to it. Myself and Gareth Air Davis uh, bringing you a couple of hours um, of uh, build-up to that fight. Andre Ward's going to be on the show, but bigger than Andre Ward right now, let me tell you, mate. We are taking this to the next level. We've just been speaking about platforms. We've just been speaking about personalities. We've been talking about transcending and crossing over in the sport and becoming a superstar. Social media plays a massive part in that for the modern fighter. One man that knows a lot about this is our guest here right now, Dave Lorca. I'm going to call him a social media guru entrepreneur. <laughs> That's what we're going to call him. I'm, I'm going to call him Cheeky Sport Dave, which is what I know Dave. him as when I work with him. He is Cheeky Sport Dave. Look at that beautiful smile. Hey, listen, listen, he can get away on. with anything. It's good to be on. It's good to be on, fellas. Talk to me about the, the demographics that are using various platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and all these socials, right? And how fighters are manipulating, not manipulating, but using the platform in order to grow their brand, because that's important to become superstars that we're talking about before with the likes of Terence Crawford. Absolutely. I mean, I think social media is now becoming the driver in not only sports, but in entertainment period. Um, when you're looking at TV shows like Love Island, like when you're looking at things that have people massively engaged. Social media is at the forefront of what that is. Um, and even when you look at stuff like advertising, the moment uh, a game goes to halftime or there's an ad break, people are straight onto social media. Yeah. So that is the place where if you want to engage an audience and you want to, you um, I don't know, increase your... Your resonance, yeah, your resonance among people. Tell them, social media, tell listen, them all day, every day. Tell social them. media is exactly where you need to be, mm. and its importance um, within fight sports is growing massively day by day. I've had the privilege of doing it alongside Dave for the last two years. Don't so want to be saying that with... on the radio at this time of night, mate. Let me tell you, we're going to get shut down. Doing it. I've had, that's I've, a different I've, type of show. I've had the privilege of doing it together. <laughs> oh, Dave, I apologise. Dave, that you've for, been outed for, on the show, mate. <laughs> Only on a Thursday. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing um, kind of shows around boxing with David for, for, for William Hill. Well, as you a guys stream agent, a lot, you know what I mean? You're, no, you're on what, programs but, that stream. But, but what, I've real, like what I've realised is around the big fights, there are massive spikes on the internet, aren't there? Absolutely. This is one of them. Tyson Fury, um, Anthony Joshua, uh, the grudge fights, David Hay, Tony Bellew, Tony Bellew, Usyk. When those fights occur... When it's got a mainstream resonance and when all these guys get involved, these powerful social influencers, all it does, it just, it sets off a bomb, basically, doesn't it? Without, you get a mushroom bomb Without a shadow of a doubt. And, and a lot of boxing is taking notice to that. You've got a lot Because it's drama, yeah, isn't it's it? Massive. It's drama, it's theatre, things happen at weigh-ins, people push each other. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and now everybody wants a, a slice of the pie. You've got the likes of Anthony Joshua now, you know, kick-starting his, his own YouTube channel. You've got the likes of a lot of fighters now really understanding that they need to kind of, in essence to some extent control a piece of the narrative but at the same time show that there's a lot more to them than just stepping in the ring and Dave boxing. Allen Dave Allen in the pair of socks down his underpants at the weigh-ins <laughs> for example that I, I heard that did something like 15 million views on IFL and yep. it garnered him 120,000 pounds that is the kind of viral mm. advertising that, that that you're able to do so people want to get a part of it and it's big isn't it? it's just big Who, who's yeah. doing it well Dave uh, from a, just from a fighter's point of view, who's doing it well? Because we know that there's, there's brands getting involved, but which fighters are doing it well for you? I'd say Dylan White does it very, very well. He's very, very extremely active on uh, digital and social media. He doesn't miss a trick. If something happens, if there's any news, he's straight in there. Mm. He's in comments. Well, we and, saw him and, yesterday on the Jeremel. Yeah, Jeremel, Jeremel, Jeremel yeah, straight in there, straight in there in the comments because he knows the value of that. He knows that people are going to be going over there to go and see what Jeremel has got to say, and then up first in the comment, you're going to see, you're going to see. Uh, 
Mr. Dylan White. As long as you've had an emotional bypass, I think you can do it. I mean, because I, I read, <laughs> I, 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 re, I, I remember that when, um, just recently, the, the BBC put out a brilliant little video about his last six months, and the headline on it was, they've been following Dylan, was, why have I never got a world title? chance well he turned down a world title chance on april the 13th against anthony joshua at wembley stadium for what it was six million quid but it made you want to read it mm. yeah. and yeah. i thought that was smart uh, again the, it was smart the great thing know? is he could, could kind of control the narrative of that with his own social media so yeah, so at exactly. the day a lot of people and a lot of fans like resonate or agree with him whether yeah. or not it's right or it's wrong agree with him on the, ba- on the basis of the fact that he is he is there live and direct and you can you can you can hear what he's got to say and the reasons as to why he Turned it down, mm. which personally I might, I'm, I'm, I, on my own personal benefit, I think, well, he, he probably should have taken the fight. However, yeah. the the casual um, boxing fan is going to be like, yeah, I like that guy. You know what? Good on him for take, turning it down. One thing that I'm enjoying, and sometimes it can go a little bit too far and it, it gets a little bit too fluffy, is when you actually see fighters going back and forth on social fluffy. media. <laughs> fluffy. Yeah, you know, I mean, for example, the, the Conor McGregor could be thing they went too far. Right, yeah. Yeah. recently yeah, yeah, when they're yeah, when they're doing yeah. whatever they're doing on social media. But for example, on Instagram this week, we've seen Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker doing a little FaceTime video together. They both jumped on there. The fans are able to watch that at yeah. the same time. You've seen the two main protagonists having a conversation and saying, "Are oh, we going to have a fight? What's the, what's the score?" What's going on? That then gives me that window of like going, "Hey, this is hey, what's going on over here." It's a little yeah. bit voyeuristic in and a way, you know what I mean? And, I'm like, and, and I'm... the crazy thing about it is that whilst that's happening, people that are plugged into a completely different conversation on another uh, platform such as Twitter. Are talking about it which brings more people in to be like oh hold on wait a minute i'm missing out on some some action here you know what i mean whether or not you're you you understand the technicality of the sport you like the entertainment you like the fact that characters are having a bit of a uh, a tussle of words and you're like yeah let me get involved in this action well you you do everything from uh Big name footballers, the biggest name footballers on the training ground where you have fun with them. Award ceremonies all over the world. I've seen you in the Formula One pits in, in the last oh, week Lewis Hamilton. He's rocking up the air, man. <laughs> His <laughs> carbon footprint is ridiculous. <laughs> Just tell us, you know, obviously we're I around... Plant trees, mate. We're around... I go to church. <laughs> That's what you do. That we're around nice. the fight world a lot. How does it compare? How does, what's the resonance like when you're in the football world with it? Does, does, does the boxing world, is it as viral as all of that? Look, to be honest with you, with boxing, I love boxing because you, you have characters who haven't been through strenuous media training. Mm. You have people that... Access. Are, yeah, and, they, and they're very vocal with what they do. The fighters are, are, are in essence, their own promoters in that sense. So it's a lot more, it's a lot better when you see it from boxing. And that's why there's such a massive resurgence within the UK, especially with fight sports, because we love to see people. We love to know people, to, to see, to know their character. Oh, what's, I wonder what Dylan thinks about that. Oh, I wonder. And that's, and, and that is what. And, is and most, it's easy to yeah, get it. It's easy to get it. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. easy to get it. It's a lot more difficult with um, the um, other sports. Like Are they under more scrutiny? The they're under, they're Raheem under, yeah. Sterling does, he can't do what Dylan White can do. No, he can't. He no. can't. He can't. As we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's it, they, they're under a lot more pressure and a lot more mm. scrutiny. And it's, 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 they're seen to, they, they're supposed to be in a certain way. But with boxing, with fight sports, you expect a certain ruggedness to them, any, yeah, to, yeah, to them yeah, yeah. anyway. So they're a lot more um, relatable to the layman, to anybody. And that's why I think it's such a massive growing sport within the UK. I think, and I think social media is like one of the biggest drivers of that as well. We've started seeing recently as well actual 
fights being streamed on yeah. social media. Like you, you can flick on Facebook, for example, Absolutely. and certain undercards. That's where yeah. you'll get well, it. The most look, watched look. fight last yeah. year was on, was yeah. on YouTube. Listen, listen. Let's know, not forget so. KSI, KSI had, had that fight, yeah. and he had, was it ten million? Um, yeah, and he had Michael Buffer announcing it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Couple, like that. That's the level of what is going on from the social space, mm. and that made everybody, everybody from boxer to promoter um, to broadcasters, you know. Straight, you know, sit up and say, hold on, whoa, 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 something's going on over here. And for some reason, they've managed to sell up this 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 venue, and they managed to make X amount of numbers. It's 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 showing you what that is. So so BT Sport are showing this tonight on pay per view. So they get people like you over because they want you to augment. It helps the sale of the whole pay per view. And it tells Absolutely. a narrative, a different and, narrative and that, from and, behind the scene. And that's why I love what BT Sport do because they're very they're very um, conscious of that space. They understand that space. They understand that they see value in it. So they see value in getting um, the likes of myself or maybe the Sport Bible, Odds Bible, and and other influencers in. To, because it's like, listen, these are the people who are engaging with the sport. These are the people. I'm talking to the yeah, next generation of yours. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's 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 fantastic. And as a you know, I can't big up BT Sport enough for that. So um, so what narrative are you painting for us tonight, mate? Hey, There's listen, obviously going to be some fly suit or something. Listen, what what know, are we going to see backstage? Listen, you, Do you know, know what he does? He slinks in with all the, the A-listers. <laughs> I've worked with him. I've worked with him. I, I do I, the same. Listen, we just slink in G- with the A-listers. Cheeky, right, basically. was with me in LA for the, for, for the Wilder Fury fight, right? He had a seat next to me, but he ended up sitting next to Triple G. I don't yeah, know what happened. Yeah, I know that... Yeah. Whole Fair enough, if you get Triple G, G or you get me, then you can play <laughs> hey, No, he was with Triple G and I was sitting with Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> honest to God. Honestly, honestly. You, uh, you will find somewhere tonight oh, no where, you're, where you're Listen, locking it down with Will Ferrell or something I like wouldn't that. Be, like I wouldn't be cheeky sport Dave if I didn't have a little bit of cheeky, you know, if I didn't see where I was sat and thought, you know what? Who's that over there? Yeah, let me see. Let me have a little... Justin Timberlake, yeah. come here, mate. Yeah, I'll come yeah, and have a yeah, sit yeah, down. Yeah. Yeah. If you lock it down with Alicia tonight, get me over, yeah? <laughs> I'll call we you sing a bit over. of New York together, yeah? <laughs> Unbelievable. And listen, anyway, we live and direct on the social so everybody can see it. There you go. Make sure you're checking it out. Give him the social tags, hey, let listen, him know. at David Alorca, everywhere. You know what I mean? Instagram, Twitter... I'm all Basically, over the gaff. Just put his name in the sky. Just put and it you in will there, find you'll it. find it. It'll be a brilliant story today as well. I'm, I'm full of energy, I'm full of excitement today. Like I said, the suit will be on, the blazer will be cut to perfection. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? And I'll be out here on these New York streets just living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, thanks so much for being on the show, buddy. Um, do stick with us. We've got lots still to come as we build up towards Crawford Khan. Andre Ward's going to be on the show. You're listening to Fight Night from New York. Uh, we are live in New York City for Fire Night Special in association with BT Sport. It is Crawford Khan. Uh, you can get that fight on BT Sport box office. You're not going to want to miss it. It's entertainment guaranteed. I'm Adam Catterall. Uh, Gareth Day Davis uh, alongside me. Still to come on the show, you're going to hear from Richard Comey. Uh, you will hear a little bit from Emir Khan as well, as we've been catching up with him throughout the course of the week. And uh, one of the pound-for-pound pound best of uh, recent generations, Andre Ward is going to be on the show as well, calling you through the fight. He speaks unbelievably about boxing, doesn't he? Unbelievably. Uh, right now, though, uh, time to uh, bring in a man whose voice you've heard on this show on many occasions. Nick Pete's in the United States. The whole team's here, baby. They've all got to fly out here. There you go. When you start to talk about pound for pound up next, I thought, here we go. They're billing me up big. Is this here you? we go, getting the big billing. Listen, whilst we were doing the first uh, hour of the show there, I noticed that you were in the background just keeping an eye of everything that's going on at uh, the Auto Arena. There's a little yes. bit going on over there. Obviously, Dave Allen's headline against Lucas Brown. I know that Derek Chisora is currently in the ring at this moment. Round time. two, yeah. But what have been uh, the highlights for you uh, this evening? How did Josh Kelly get on? 
Josh Kelly won every round against Ronowski. You know, he, he literally finished 100 to 88. He dropped them three times, but he did get tagged quite a bit. He ended up with a mark under his right eye. And in, in the interview afterwards as well, Josh Kelly basically said that he's he thinks he's broke his right hand, which is if it's true, means he's definitely won't, not going to be on the AJ under on AJ undercard on June the 1st, which was the plan. Mm. He'll be off that now. But I'll be honest, listen, that's a real shame for him not. Of to course, fight in New massive York opportunity well. for yeah, him to come here to New York and, and fight. But mm. you know, listen, Josh Kelly's got all the talent in the world, and we. We've raved on him on this show many a time, but there was times in this fight where he got tagged a bit, bit too often for my liking against the guy that let's let's base it is very much a European level. Shades of Nazim Hamed when he goes up the levels, where he's going to have to really get his hands up when he's in range, I which Nazim so, yeah. didn't do against Marco Antonio Barrera in the, in the end, and it really cost him. Yeah, give listen, give Josh every opportunity here because he has been out of action for five months in the run up to this fight as well. He hasn't been the most active guy, so but listen, there's, there's a few welterweights on the planet right now, and, mm. and, and light welters who are looking at that performance, thinking I fancy Josh Kelly. I see David Ventium straight on social media saying. Now that's why I didn't want any of my smoke mm. because I'd put him away. And performances like that are going to give other fighters, you know, the the, the, the opportunity to maybe jump in with them. David Eventy in the uh, European champion, and uh, the, I think the European EBU have actually called for it, haven't they? The uh, first bids, yeah. The, the Josh Kelly fight. So we'll see what we'll see how that uh, goes on. Uh, we will keep you across everything that. Uh, uh, goes on in the two heavyweight clashes at the O2. But there has been a heavyweight clash that has been announced. Yeah. We're anticipating another one next week. Um, Dillian White's next fight, which is happening in July at the O2, is going to be Oscar Rivas, uh, undefeated uh, heavyweight. I actually think another, a- another Bob Arum fighter. Yeah. By the way, undefeated. It's a good. It's a good fight. I actually think it is a good Rivas fight. Rivas has a lot of vim and vigor about him. Yep. Um, and Dillian White gets up for those kind of fights, so we can expect a great heavyweight fight. Yeah, mm. another one of these huge punching Colombians based out of Canada. You know, he's got a 26-0 and record and 18 knockouts, speaks for itself. That's going to be flames on July 20th, be a big fight. Exactly what White loves. That's Absolutely. Uh, there's also uh, some decent noise, actually, uh, regarding the undercard as well, that is being planned out for that fight. If Derek Chisora comes through his fight in spectacular fashion, hopefully he will do. Maybe a fight with Joseph Parker. That's been rumoured for the undercard of what we're talking about now with Dillian White's fight in July. We're also hearing that Dennis Lebedev and maybe Lawrence Sokoli will be going at it as well on that, uh, on that bill. Something fight. for fight fans to get their teeth into, because we're kind of, in, in the UK especially, it's been a little bit sparse, which we're going to talk about in a moment or two with yep. the exodus to America. We're all out here obviously enjoying ourselves, but a lot of British fight fans, you know, they don't uh, get the opportunity to fly halfway across the world to watch fights. So we're going to talk about that in, in a moment uh, or uh, or two. But you just want to allude to maybe an announcement that might be coming next week. Yeah, well, a of certain course, Mr. Anthony of course, Joshua. Of course, the last four or five days have been huge around the fact that Gerald Miller... Um, the big talking New Yorker, big baby, um, has tested three times um, in the lead up to his fight on June the 1st with Anthony Joshua. He's out of the fight. Uh, he hadn't fought for a year in New York and was due to apply for a license. And New York told him after the first test became known to the public, what was it four days ago now, yeah. that they don't want him to apply for a license. They're not giving him one, regardless of the B sample. So he's tested for EPO. Uh, human growth hormone twice uh, twice exactly GW1516 that they tested on mice 11 12 years ago and found that there is clearly performance enhancing absolute madness but that's the sport we're in only in yep. boxing where you're earning 6 million 6.5 million US dollars to lose yep. yeah yeah 
that you go and blow it like that. Unbelievable. He's more drugs than man. He's yeah. a walking, talking pharmacy, he's the kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? He is taking everything. That earlier. But you know, we, we, we mustn't make light of it. No, no, not it's at all. It's an absolute disaster. There's an opportunity. It's an absolute disgrace. Listen, there's an opportunity now to, to make a statement. I mean, we've seen it. We, we all cover mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. We've seen some big statements recently. The TJ Dillashaw one, he that failed was, for it. That was EPO as well. That's right. He's failed for EPO. For those that don't know what EPO is, it's the stuff that Lance Armstrong got popped for. You, can, you can't accidentally take this. There's no tainted supplements with this. This has to be injected. You've got to proactively put it in your body put yeah. it in your and body. know you're doing it. Uh, unless someone's doing it and you don't know they're doing it, you know? like you're, I'd be able to tell if someone no, was no, sticking a needle listen, in my backside. No, no, listen. Anthony Joshua gets injections. He gets he gets vitamin injections. from. You have Ooh. to trust the people around you. Okay. Right. You know, but you can you can get injected with with things that are good for you and but that it is, are legal. But EPO is very damning. It's not one of those where, oh, no, I've taken I mean, a supplement, oh, that's in there and I didn't check the certain list. You are proactively going out there to cheat. Now, we yeah. saw with mixed martial arts, they've laid a marker down. They've banned TJ Dillashaw, a world champion, a guy that sells good pay-per-views for them. They've banned him for two years. We need a, a, a statement like that, don't we, for Jarrell Miller? Because yep. with all due respect, this week for him has been ridiculous. He's failed ridiculous. a drug test before as well. He's in failed, kickboxing. In kickboxing, he failed drug test there as well. So it's, he's not a first-time offender. He's a multiple-time offender, and it's multiple times. This, this, you know, three tests back-to-back -back, This in the last six months. For me, it's got to be a minimum of a two-year ban, maybe even a four-year ban, well, it making was real statements. No, it, it, was such a big, it, it was such a big fight, this. Anthony Joshua's... Um, kind of inception into fighting in New, in New York, in America, at Madison Square Garden, of course. Jarrell Miller's the home fighter. He would never have had a bigger platform. So the resonance around him, he's made an absolute fool of himself. His reputation is in tatters. Mm -hmm. Coming back from this is going to be very difficult for him anyway. Do you know what's he's worse? He's got to go away. Well, I'll tell you what's worse. I, I mean, go away from the sports. Not what what is worse is that the whole rhetoric building up to this fight with AJ is that he's calling AJ out. Hubris, my friend. He, he's, Hubris. He's been saying that AJ's yeah. on all sorts and yeah. then he goes and does this yeah 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 i know it's it's very very bad um and of course you know we're talking about a sport where the idea especially in the heavyweight division is to render another man unconscious and it, it's criminal it's heinous and it's criminal well, so, so at one to, point they they go. Go. should they start bringing in criminal charges I, I, well they will when someone dies yeah because well, we'll have it in why boxing do we, why at some do we point. have to wait for someone so, to die for that to uh, happen well it will at some point someone will die in a ring and the guy that's knocked the guy out or, or we'll pop. and it will pop afterwards and we'll have a criminal case on our hands and it will be an absolute disaster, a travesty, and a tragedy for the sports, yeah. you know, and for the person that has lost their life. Because it, it is criminal if you do that. You, you, you know, your body is your weapon in, in fight Absolutely. sports. So, but when you're drugged, it, when you're taking PEDs, it's like taking a loaded gun in there with you. Yeah, because exactly. You're, 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 especially in cases like this with Jarrell Miller, this EPO, there's no other way it could have gone in the system. So he has gone out there to cheat specifically. Oh, it's pathological. So there's no question the, about there's it. There's got to be criminal charges then because he's going into a fist fight with loaded guns. Well, he didn't. He didn't get the fight in the end. Thankfully, he was caught, and, and that's why Varda tested. But the intent's there, though. Oh, and the, the intent, intent is there. clearly there. And and you know, um, and and you know, the only thing they can do, like you say, put slap a huge ban on him and say to everyone else, right, if we if you're caught doing this, you're banned for four years. I will hasten to add that I think if you look down the list of the top fifteen heavyweights in the in the world, yeah. about half of them yeah. have been convicted of uh, taking the wrong things. For, yeah, for various things. Yeah. I'm but specifically for, bringing up EP because it is it's so damning that he, yeah. he, he we have to take legit action just regarding a replacement for Edge because yeah. that's the chat okay. because obviously we didn't get April 13th yeah. at Wembley yeah. Yeah. he is he has to fight at Madison Square Garden on June the 1st who's it going to be he said to Eddie Hearn 
make another opponent, whoever it is. They wanted Luis Ortiz. I've done a big piece with Eddie Hearn in Well, we spoke tomorrow's. to Frank, didn't we, this week? We did. Uh, we spoke uh, to Frank. Yeah. Uh, Frank, Frank Smith. Frank Smith. Eddie C- Hearn's right man. CEO yeah. of uh, Matchroom Sport. But I, I had a long chat with, with Eddie, um, and he, he hin- hinted, it's in the Telegraph, Sunday Telegraph tomorrow, but he hinted that there are five names that were in the pot, five proper names, and they were um, starting in this order, uh, um, that uh, American Michael Hunter mm-hmm. is very likely as an opponent. Yeah. Um, they wanted, Joshua's team wanted Lewis Ortiz, who was a great opponent for me, who would have been the best opponent mm-hmm. for June the 1st, because he's a dangerous, tricky southpaw who gave um, Deontay Wilder fits uh, last February. I was there, first five, six, seven rounds was brilliant, and you thought Wilder wasn't going to do it, but he proved what a great fighter he is and what a great finisher he is. Um, they wanted Lewis Ortiz. It doesn't look like he, he's likely, even though that Team Joshua's pick was him. Uh, Hunter is very high up, and I, I expect it to be him, but the, but, uh, but Kubrat Pulev, Manuel Char, and Andy Ruiz were yeah. all being discussed and spoken to as well. We're all convinced that it'll be Hunter, aren't we? I think we yeah, are. Yeah, I think so, yeah. 100%. He's good. Look, I thought Kawaki, I thought Adam Kawaki might have been in the I mix think as they, well. He ruled himself out early, Nick. I think the great thing about Hunter came in that mm-hmm. he'd moved up to heavyweight from cruiserweight, six foot three, 30 years old. He's quite experienced. He's a good guy to have as a replacement. And, and don't forget as well, he's signed with Matchroom. He was about to be on the Usyk card anyway. a couple of days ago, didn't he? <laughs> That's what I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's yeah. easy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, do stick with us, because we are going to be talking about the exodus uh, to the United States of America in a moment or two. Nick's going to stick around. It's fight night. It's a special with BT Sport from New York City. It's a fight night special in association with BT Sport live from New York. Watch Crawford versus Khan this Saturday night only on BT Sport Box Office. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth Day Davis alongside me, as is Nick Pete. Uh, we are across the road from Madison Square Garden, um, bringing you a little bit of build-up to that and also talking about other things that are going on in the world of boxing uh, this week. Of course, the Jarrell Miller situation regarding his uh, failed drug test, obviously uh, alluding to the fact of who AJ will be fighting next at, uh, on June the 1st at Madison Square Garden. Uh, and, of course, the uh, the uh, fights that have been announced a little bit earlier on involving uh, Dillian White, which is going to be probably the best at this moment, the best card that UK fight fans will get to uh, go to on home shores because everybody seems to be coming to the United States of America, don't they? So far in the year, we, we will... I'm convinced that Eddie Hearn will pull a big one out of the bag. <laughs> um, no, no, no sexual references, please, Chance. <laughs> no, we'll pull a big one out of the bag by, by the end of the year because he kind of, kind of owes the British public one, I think. It wouldn't surprise me to see Anthony Joshua fighting a big one in Cardiff towards the end of the year, I think. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think he's American-bound wow. now. Yeah, I really too. do. No, I've spoken to people at Tazone. I've spoken to the COO, the, the vice president here in, in America. They are going to let him bounce back and forth, you know, definitely. Mm. It's well, not purely America. Well, he's coming over here. We've uh, heard that maybe Callum Smith's going to be on the undercard. There's other people as well that are uh, starting to make their way over here. The guys that have traditionally been headlining... Stuff over in the UK. Anthony Crawler last week. We've got Amir Khan, obviously. His last couple of fights. I know that he's made his career really in the States, but his last couple of fights. The rhetoric was, I'm coming back. I want to do it in England. But straight away, as soon as he gets the big opportunities over in the States. Traditionally, Nick, that's where people have had to go, haven't they? Boxers have had to come to the United States of America, not just to become... 
superstars in the sport, but to transcend the sport, this of is course. the place that makes them famous. It's just like the music industry, isn't it? And it's purely down to numbers. There's just way more people here. There's way more, you know, bigger TV deals, more pay-per-view opportunities. Don't forget, a pay-per-view over here is over $100, $120 or $150 for HD, whereas in the UK it's £20. And there's a much bigger population here, of course, with the whole of North We get America, a better deal so in the UK. We, we get do. We get a great deal in the UK. <laughs> but if you're, if you're a fighter, and listen, at the end of the day, these guys are in it. Of course, they're in it for, for the gold and silver. But, of course, the bottom line is they want to make their lives comfortable. They want to make as much money as possible. They want to get in and out of the sport without taking as much damage as they can. And to do it, that's, you know, you come over to the US. I think the last 18 months, Garth, it's been kind of weird because we kind of took over boxing for a spell there. Yeah. And everyone was coming to us. Terence Crawford was coming to Scotland to fight Ricky Burns, for instance. Errol Spence to Bremel Lane. AJ was doing 80,000 in Cardiff Golovkin or in Wembley. And the Golovkin UK, came over. We had, a, we had a little golden age there for a second. But now, because of the zone, because of ESPN+, Plus, because of the money going into American boxing again, the shift has... 100% come back over to the US. Well, t- t- have we got Culture Corner music tonight, um, boxing editor Matt? No, okay, well, let's do a bit of... Let's have our Culture Corner moment, because <laughs> historically, you go back way in time to Benny Lynch, different fighters, um, you know, the, 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 the guys that came out of the Jewish tenements in East London that came to fight in New York, the, the, the world champions of the day, right the way back, you could have... Remember the different... Uh, governing bodies for the sport there was the, the you had the british and european federations you had the north american boxing federations you know we didn't have the wbc the ibf no. the wba and the wbo with wbo 20 25 years ago yeah. and before that 35 years ago the other ones before that there was like the best boxer in the world from america as one time and there was a white heavyweight champion and a black heavyweight champion remember and you know and jack johnson changed that in the 20s he became the first black heavyweight champion in the world so in time, this place, because it's a continent, because, it's, because it has the, the link with the Latin American countries, the Hispanic countries, and all those great fighters come upwards to Vegas and California and New York as well, the great British fighters have had to come over here and succeed. Yeah. We mentioned Ken Buchanan here in the 70s, fought at Madison Square Garden, and following him, Lennox Lewis, Nassim Hamid, Ricky Hatton with an incredible run here. Um, um, Joe Calzaghe Joe back Calzaghe at the back end even Carl Frotch remember in the yep. World Boxing Super Series I was there against Andre Ward in the final in Atlantic City whatever it was Super nine Six years. Super, Super Sixes six, sorry yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah it, was, it was like the World Boxing Super Series of a day wasn't it you the know one, yeah. the Super Sixes um, brilliant tournaments as well then and you're right Nick to put your finger on it something weird happened three years ago and it caught the eye of all the Americans and what it was was the success of our amateur setup. yeah Eddie Hearn emerging and being a brilliant promoter, Frank Warren being resurgent, mm-hmm. the increase in coverage on TV stations. And stadium fights. And, and, and stadium fights, four big stadium fights, 320,000 people, and all the Americans' eyes were bulging. Yep. And they went, oh, my God. People like boxing. People like boxing <laughs> in the UK. I have, and you, you get it yourselves, so many Americans say my God, the British fans are the best in the world because they go for a night out and they properly go. Yeah. And it's not parochial or it's not regional like here. Yeah. You know, Floyd Mayweather had a following in mainstream America. Mike Tyson did, but very few others have had that. Yeah. So, so what, we've, what we've got, they saw it, they wanted a bit of it, 
ESPN saw it. They're in a subscription war with DAZN, mm. and everyone went, can I have all those chips, please? And they put their arms out like I know, and they dragged all the chips across the pond, yeah. and that's where we're at. And there is griping in the British boxing industry. Get over it. This is the place to succeed. There's three times as much. If, it, if a fight makes 70 million over there, mm -hmm. it'll make 210 over here. It's as simple as that. So with that then in mind, there is an opportunity for the next generation of British talent to yeah. start headlining because we can't just stop doing good cards in the UK. We need people to be able to step up to the plate and start to headline certain things. Tonight we are seeing something at the O2 Arena. We've just had Dillian White announce that the O2 Arena is a headline act. Yeah, We've spoken to some of that future talent, the likes of a Jordan Gill, let's say. It, someone oh, like he's that. definitely a future talent. Yeah. There's no question. Exactly. They can build him into a but big pay-per-view star. Exactly. But he'll come here eventually. Yeah, of it course, what will happen? Of course, but, <laughs> but that cycle has now. There's, there's a gap now because I think what we've what we've experienced. Yes, there's people coming over to the United States, AJ, for example. But we've also gone through a period of time of retirements. But the likes of the Bellews, the James DeGales of the Hayes, exactly, the George the Groves, it's those the guys that were selling the pay per views and yeah. doing extremely well in the UK are no longer there. They're not yeah. fighting no more. So there just seems to be that, whoa, was, was the guys in the UK? Was, was the fights happening in the UK? Of course. And, and obviously Sky themselves, you know, uh, 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 another, another channels, BT, they, they have their own channel. They, you know, they, they, they love covering fights like this, like tonight. Of course, they, do, they love doing the big pay-per-view events. But their prime time is Saturday night, 8 o'clock. They want people in front of the TV Saturday night, 8 o'clock. So it's imperative that Frank Warnell and Eddie Hearn emerge these new stars, bring them through. And that's why the likes of Buatti is probably going to get big opportunities this year. And Coley, Josh Kelly's going to get moved Coley, on quicker and yeah. stuff like that. It's another golden generation as well. That's something that we need to, you know, agree with. It's like, yes, the likes of the Framptons kind of finished now, Bellew's gone now, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, okay, well, let's get behind Callum Smith. Let's get behind this new generation coming through. Josh Warrington, for instance. Josh Warrington's a superstar. Yeah, he is. He's got Ricky Hatton. He's the Ricky Hatton part two. But you know. But he's probably going to come here. Yes, he will. But yes, he will. Here's the thing. I mean, and we have to give Eddie Hearn some credit for this. He wanted Dillian White and Anthony Joshua to fight at Wembley on April 13th. He wanted Amir Khan and Kel Brook to take place. Remember, this was a uh, there was they were a week away or a few days away from signing Amir Khan and Kelbrook because Hearn told me the story even just a week ago we, we revisited it together they were three days from finalising it and Khan got a call from Bob Arum to fight Terence Crawford and he yeah, went sideways that's boxing though yeah. it is but what I'm saying is the ambition was there from Hearn to have big fights in the UK that was a UK fight yeah. we are going to get them it will happen at the right time you know in, it, when, it, when it is the right time it will happen for us We they know they can put on stadium fights they know when it's big enough, they can do the Millennium Stadium. They know from April to September, they can always do Wembley. There, there'll be an opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, but, it's, it's, but that fan base, Gareth, won't be around forever. They, they can't be neglected in the UK. No, the I UK agree. fans can't be neglected. We can't just say, well, AJ's in the US now and that's You've it. You've got to travel. Because, yeah. that, you know, we, we've been to AJ Stadium fights. 80% of the people there have never been to boxing before. Mm. AJ just pulls in a different crowd. Yes. Now, for that different crowd to keep coming, AJ's got to go back because they're not going to turn up for Boatsy. They're not going to turn up for, for Josh Warrington. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why Ricky Hatton's uh, sojourn through America was so unique with those eight or nine fights because, you know, a lot of people were coming here because they wanted a holiday in America. Yeah. In, in America and I, was on, a, I was on a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> they stag dues myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they were. They were, mm. they were basically stag dues. They were brilliant. They were fantastic. <laughs> 10,000 Brits coming over, apparently, for Anthony Joshua still yeah. uh, on June the 1st. Which is 17 good. sold. 17,000 sold in the area. It's still massive. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's huge. Mm. But... 
talk and I do my own little straw poll about how much more Tyson Fury resonates in America still yeah. than Anthony Joshua at the moment, simply because of that exciting fight. Well, he hasn't in had December. his moments, has he? And, AJ and, hasn't and, had his American moments. No, he Maybe hasn't. That's to come. But, but, but again, this is an amazing debate because DAZN does not have a a news channel rather the ESPN does have a sports centre every bar sports centre's on of course and you see it flashing you've seen it when you've had lunch today or you know you've had a lemonade or a coffee earlier yeah. Terence Crawford's highlight reel lemonade. it's on a, it's on it's a, a loop isn't it <laughs> but, but it's on sports a highlights it's on a, a loop it's on a loop yeah. so when Tyson Fury is fighting next in, in June. For the two weeks before it, you'll just see highlights of yep. him. That's what DAZN are missing with Anthony Joshua. And that's why Bob Arum is very right in thinking that they perhaps need to create an add-on and a bolt-on. And I've, I've you know, like a, a, a channel that a sells it. And, but I've spoken to DAZN executives in the last week, and they say, no, this is what we're going to stick with. This is our business model. This is our business model. And Netflix and Amazon Prime, yeah. that's the way we're doing it. And I think they will succeed Don't in Don't forget, the they're, they're looping their platform, though, is social media. Something yes, as well. Something you were speaking to Cheeky Dave about before. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the new market anyway. Yeah. Less and less people are watching TVs. Okay, in the bars, the sports ends of thing, I get that. But everybody, go in the same bar, Gareth, and look at everybody sitting there looking at the yeah, mobile yeah, phones. Yeah. That's Fairness where the loop is for the well. They've only been yeah. boxing for eight months. Yeah, you know, so and they've done pretty well. They've signed a few big names, just a they? few. <laughs> mm. uh, do stick with us. There's lots still to come, including hearing the dulcet tones of Andre Ward. Uh, it's a fight night special in association with BT Sports, live from New York. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I wondered how long it would be before the boys back home put a little bit of J-Lo on. Uh, randomly, Tiafima Lopez, who's on the undercard, his mum's called Jennifer Lopez. It's not the same one. She's not going to come in wrapping him into the ring later on, but that would be highly entertaining. Uh, you are listening to a fight night special in association with BT Sport. We are live in New York across the road uh, from Madison Square Garden. We're in the media centre as we build up towards uh, Crawford versus Khan. Don't forget, you can get that on BT Sport box office. Uh, a plethora of top guests on the show tonight, including Andre Ward and some of the very finest uh, British journalists that are out here covering the fight. Wally Downs Jr., uh, boxing correspondent for The Sun, is going to be joining me very, very shortly for a little bit of a chinwag. However, uh, Gareth A. Davis, he knows every man and his dog out here and he's been 
catching up uh, with a couple of the uh, American contingent as well. Steve Kim, Dan Raphael, two of the biggest boxing journals out here. He sat down with them recently for a bit of a chinwag and their thoughts on tonight's fight. I've been a fan of Amir since he turned pro. I've always found him to be true to the game. You know, he may not win all his fights, but he gives a great effort every time. He's not afraid to, he was never afraid to lose the O. He was never afraid to step up and fight the top guys. He was never afraid to take the gamble, to go up and, and, and try to fight Canelo. I mean, people thought he was maybe crazy, but, you know. No, he, he was crazy, but he, but he earned a lot of money doing it. And he's, he's too brave for his own good, Amir, isn't he? The point is he... He's a boxing fan also. He 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 wanted he dared to be great. And I respect him for that. And he fought some good fighters. He beat some good fighters. He lost some tough fights. You know, he's got some some losses. Like we were talking about before you started taping the interview when he went to Washington, D.C. and fought Lamont Peterson. I thought he definitely won that fight. That is genuinely going into the lion's den, isn't it? Oh, Pete, sure. Peterson was a local hero for bringing up his brother and sister as homeless kids living on the back of Greyhound buses. Do you remember the stories? Absolutely. I mean, and... and he, you know, he didn't get the win, but it didn't detract from him. And uh, he had the opportunity to fight Crawford. And people asked him, well, why'd you take this fight instead of taking, like, a fight with Kell Brook, which is a fight that a lot of the British fans want to see. His position was, you know, the money is similar, but I want the opportunity to fight for a world title against a fighter that's one of the best boxers in the world. And you can say what you want about Kell Brook, but at this moment he does not occupy a position where people are going to say he's one of the pound-for-pound -pound best in boxing. So I respect Khan for, for taking the gamble. I think it's a decent matchup, and I think it's going to be a pretty good fight as long as it lasts. The funny thing about Ami, you'll remember this, is this fight with Bud Crawford, who's probably in most people's books in the top three pound for pound in the world at the moment, that fight he always wanted with either Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather that arguably cost him sitting around for two and a half years of his career? He, he wanted either one of those guys. He didn't get them. You know, they teased him a little bit with it. There was the possibility of Pacquiao, and they went looking, you know, Pacquiao's people went looking for the, the non-existent pot of gold in the Middle East. And, you know, when Bob Arum was still promoting Pacquiao, you know, Bob would laugh and say, I'm not making my airline reservations just yet because he never really believed it. Khan tried to facilitate it, to, to cross his fingers and hope it happened. Uh, I don't know if Mayweather ever really gave him the time of day as far as making a match with him. Did Mayweather avoid him because he might have been embarrassed for a few rounds by Khan's speed, or do you, do you go along with that theory at all, Dan? I never, I never bought into that. I mean, you can, you can certainly have criticism of the way that Floyd matched himself and the types of opponents that he fought when he fought them, but I don't think that there was ever a, 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 a notion that he was looking to avoid Amir Khan. That would have been a good fight at one point, but uh, it didn't happen. Look, Khan... Kind of the rest probably did him good after the Canelo fight, and you know he's had two fights since then. One you couldn't really tell anything because it was 35 seconds or 40 seconds or whatever against Lagreco. The other fight against Vargas, he didn't look great. I don't know how up he was for that fight, but look, he's got the ultimate test next, you know, next fight against Crawford. We'll see what he can do. Steve, uh, how excited are you by the prospect of Amir Khan and, and, and Terence Bud Crawford? Does it get something tingling in you? Um, I think it's intriguing in a sense that Amir Khan. I said this years ago, and I wrote it for whatever website I was in at that time. He's physically gifted, fatally flawed. And he reminds me of a great sports car. It looks great. It's fast. It handles well, except for one thing. It doesn't always have brakes. And the one issue that he's always had, he does not control his speed. And it's led to some really bad crashes where he wraps himself around the telephone pole. Think about Amir Khan, if, if I had to describe him in one word, is hubris. That he's always believed he could climb Mount Everest and then go to Mount Kilimanjaro. 
And, you know, I, I find guys like him fascinating. You know, as I'm watching Kell Brook struggle in his last fight, I think halfway through that fight, I believe the chances of Amir Khan fighting Crawford or making that decision became exponentially greater because I think he realized one thing, and I wrote an article about this for ESPN, that he said, you know what? Kell Brook is a domestic rival, but I'm better than that. And he's always looked at himself, for better or worse, as a top 10 worldwide talent. Type of guy that's on pound for pound list, no matter what his resume or his track record says. But aren't some of his skills there, though? They're, they are, but they're offset... By the defensive weaknesses. By the technical liabilities. And so... I think he looks at Terrence Crawford as his one last shot at greatness. That, you know what, I could beat Kell Brook every day of the week, or I could beat him ten different times. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not either, especially, especially three years ago. Oh, you're saying he's thinking he he's, could do it. Yes. I'm thinking, what does it do for my legacy? Right, because Kell Brook is like that appliance that the warranties run out. He has two bad eyes. But, look, Amir Khan has always had a very, very inflated view of his own value. Uh, look, I've said from the beginning, I thought he should have taken the Prince Nassim Hamed route and let Frank Warren build him for three more years before coming to America. But he has earned 35 to 40 right. million pounds. He's laughed all... 50, 60 million dollars. He's laughed and all the way to the bank. He's one of the more fascinating figures. I agree. This and you know, he's a massive figure. Like, he's friends with Imran Khan, the president of Pakistan. I tell you what, in the UK, he's one of the very few crossover British-Pakistani Muslim stars into mainstream society. Right. That's what's interesting. And Dan, I'll ask you this question, and me and you, we often disagree. Can you name me... More than two or three nights where we've come away from an Amir Khan fight saying, boy, that's kind of boring. No, that's, that's, that's the thing. Whatever, whatever decisions he's made about who he's going to fight or how he's going to handle his business, he brings drama. When you go to a fight, I mean... Tenth round Maidana, discuss. Marcos Maidana, you were, of course, we all were. A tenth round was unbelievable. He was getting butchered by a giant machete for two minutes, 47 seconds. And then he threw a punch back. Do you remember? Here's the thing about him, though. I'm, I'm always down to see, like, the brilliant... Like, if I go see Lomachenko uh, in uh, some of the fights where he's just looked lights out and dominated the good opponents... There's something to be said for seeing the best ply his trade and not be tested because there's nobody to test him. And that's entertaining and interesting in some fashion. But to see the drama that Khan brings and the way he's rebounded or rallied or gotten knocked out or won fights by knockout, you never leave a Khan fight thinking that you didn't get your money or your time's worth and you just don't know what the heck is going to happen. And that's, to me, that's the best part about boxing. I don't like going to fights where I think I definitely know what's going to happen. I think I know what's going to happen against Crawford. I don't know what's going to happen against Crawford. But he's not. But the one thing I would say, the one caveat, and I've been, I say I've been seeing Amir Khan four times during this training camp. He is mature now at approaching 34. I've watched him physically change. I've basically come every month, every, every four weeks for a day and spent time with him because my girlfriend lives in California, in, in San Francisco, so I nip and see him. I've never seen him as relaxed as wanting, not needing to produce a performance, but wanting to produce something. And we say it about all great boxers. Maybe he's not great, maybe he's just below great. Certainly in British terms he is. That there are things that he needs to produce. But I'll tell you one thing about him. He's only been found out by people that like to do relentless, ebullient, bullying pressure. Algieri, Peterson, Maidana, 
Crawford isn't that kind of fighter until someone is actually engaging him in a in, in a toe-to-toe fight. Crawford is a little bit of a slow starter, and that 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 could be an advantage for Connolly's early on. It's going I mean Crawford is a brilliant fighter, but it does take him most of the time a couple of rounds to get going. And I think we were there in Omaha. Yuri Gamboa may have been up three or what four a fight. nothing in Omaha. Well, here's the thing. I think there's actually pressure because Crawford is not just trying to win a fight. He's actually trying to campaign for an Errol Spence fight. So it, it, He's also trying to campaign for, I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm an A side of a pay-per-view. But that ain't going to happen, is it, Spence okay. and Crawford? Let's be honest. Let's, but let's be honest, it's not going to happen. Okay, but putting that aside, but I, I still think Terrence Crawford has a little bit of pressure to actually not just win, but tack on style points. In my view, the one way that Americans always gotten in trouble, he doesn't stay on his back foot. Okay, now I don't want to. I don't want to become Ray Arcel here or Emmanuel Stewart, but the one thing that's always mad me about Amir Khan, he's never controlled his speed. Talk to Chris Algieri about it. And his jab step, he doesn't slide behind the jab, and his chin comes out in front of his front foot. And then it becomes arm punches, right. doesn't then, it? Rather, and he starts to flail. He's also wide open at that. Point. And then his back foot gets in front of himself. There's an old saying from John Wooden, the great basketball coach, that he's ne- something he's never adhered to: be quick. But don't be in a hurry. Now, if Terrence Crawford has got a little bit of an issue here stylistically, and one thing, Amir Khan is long, he's got a long torso, and he's got height. So Amir Khan, in my view, has to just be patient and let Crawford make mistakes. Problem with Amir Khan is, again, he's never, he's, he's always in a hurry at the wrong times. And that's the thing. I think Amir Khan, the first half of the fight, I think it's going to actually be very, very competitive. Because am I wrong in saying that Crawford's footwork isn't that amazing? He shuffles a little bit. It hasn't been tested yet. I think he does. I think he's brilliant, by the way. <laughs> he does everything very well. And the thing that he does probably the best, you talk about footwork, he switches up very well. Like, he is officially, they list him as a right-handed fighter. But he fights the first minute of a fight right-handed, and then he'll suddenly switch to southpaw, and he'll stay that way for many, many rounds. But he'll go back and forth during a fight. But he does it well enough where he doesn't ever get caught in between. You know, that's if you're going to switch like that, the opponent has the opportunity when you're making the change to catch you in between. He's quick enough, and he's adept enough and intelligent enough where he doesn't ever get caught in between. Let me, let me just say one thing. I believe... I think very highly of Joe Goose, and he's one of the men that taught me this game from the very beginning when I came on to this beat in 1996. <laughs> Putting aside the last performance against Samuel Vargas, again, that, that could be overblown one way or the other. I believe, though, the Amir Khan understood that for the Crawford fight, that patience and tactical control is important. That's why he went back to Virgil Hunter. It's going to be Virgil Hunter's job to be that jockey for 36 minutes to tell... To, and to be the headmaster. To be that guy to understand that the only way you're going to get knocked out by Crawford is that if you allow yourself, as they say in baseball, American sport, to hang the curveball the way Manny Pacquiao did against uh, Juan Manuel Marquez in their first fight. First fight, Patience is a virtue here for Amir Khan to only be fast and quick in certain moments because if he tries to do it too many times throughout the fight, eventually he will get timed. Everybody had to pay and pay a hustle here and a hustle there. New York City is the place where they said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. 
Fantastic. It's a Friday night special in association with BT Sport, live from New York City. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth Day Davies, uh, alongside me. I can tell that Ollie Hunter is working on the show tonight. His choice of music has been absolutely bang on. I'll take my cap off to you if I was wearing one. What, what's all you know? What you well, when you're in New York, you've got to take a walk on the wild side, haven't you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that album, Transformer, by the way. Great Lou Reed album. We're going to be speaking to uh, Wally Dows Jr., uh, boxing correspondent for The Sun, very, very shortly. But first of all, I think it's only fair that we hear from Amir Khan, who's in action uh, in the early hours of the morning over in the UK. If you're getting up to uh, buy this on BT Sport box office, please do, because it's entertainment guaranteed. He's had a wonderful, wonderful career. Uh, And he says tonight, fighting at Madison Square Garden, could be the career highlight. Uh, One of the highest, definitely. I mean, uh, I've had goals in my career. Um, and to win world titles, to then go and chase the perfect pound titles, and then have the biggest fights uh, on the biggest platforms, and uh, have them at the best arenas. I really believe that this is the mecca of boxing, Madison Square Garden, and I've had the opportunity now to have a big fight over here. Um, and it's huge. I mean, everywhere I go, billboards are everywhere. Mm. Um, I've been uh, wherever I drive, and on on sides of taxis, on on the big billboards, and. Then I, this morning I was at um, the stock exchange um, and that was on television and I couldn't believe it. Like I was at the stock exchange uh, pressing the bell. So, you know, all this is just something I could tell my kids when they get older, you know, and and, and also tweet about it as well and put it on my Instagram <laughs> so people can see what it's like to be a fighter and a champion, you know. So it, boxing has done so much for me and I just appreciate the sport. Um, and definitely, like, this may, only makes me train harder and motivates me because look at the good things I get from it. Mm. I've said this about you in the past, that you need a little bit of jeopardy in a fight to bring the best out of you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and to take on what many would class as pound for pound top three fighters in the world. Yeah. There is that jeopardy there. So yes. therefore, the mental focus side for you, more important than actually getting in physical shape, because you're always in physical shape. Yeah, I'm always in good shape for fights. It's just that, you know, sometimes I kind of don't focus as much in the ring. Uh, if I'm fighting someone like a Vargas, who I know I'm supposed to win against, I'm going to go in there light, take it light, because I know I'm going to win. And then the first round might be easy, second round might be easy, and knock him down. I think, wow, do you know what? I could win this fight so easily. Uh, and then and then I kind of take my foot off the gas and yeah. might get caught myself. So, But it's good in a way that this, that was a performance, a Vargas performance, which I won still, but obviously it wasn't the best performance that got me this fight. I think they saw that, and they saw, you know what? We got Amir, he's a big name in, around the world in boxing. And let's take that win. Let's take that fight and take and have get a good win over him. Mm. So I think they made the biggest mistake on that. I'm looking forward to this weekend. As you yeah. said, the buzz around New York City is fantastic. Something else. The, the billboards are all over. Your name's plastered all over there. When you were a kid starting out, oh yeah, must have been the dream. You know, my dream was to fight at the biggest arenas. And now I did. Um, I did Vegas many times with Devin Alexander, yeah. Calazzo, and then I did the uh, Canelo fight there. So I've been all over Vegas. Um, are the biggest arenas from the T-Mobile to MGM and now to be at the Madison Square I fought Pauli Malnagy here as my first fight in uh, New York yeah. but that was at the Forum yeah. at the smaller Madison Square arena this is the real one baby this is the real one man <laughs> we made it to the top one that's it man we made it to the best one the biggest one and you know what this is what dream comes true honestly like dreams have come true for me and I just thank God and I just thank all my supporters and my fans who have been very supportive because you know without their love and their support I might have given it up a long time ago. You know, I uh, I had losses. I came back from them. And this is only a message to the people out there that 
uh, the people who also box or in sport or in any field that look you can achieve anything in life look at Tiger Woods at the weekend in golf man crazy he won exactly Tiger Woods where no one ever expected him to win he came and, and won mm-hmm. so same again for me you know I'm in a position where no one ever expected me to be at the top level again and I came again and I'm fighting for world titles again at the biggest arenas and 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 yeah, this is just like I said, dream come true for me. Last one. Regarding where you see yourself in the in the echelons of British boxers, yeah. you've got to rank. I know this is blowing your own trumpet, yeah. but you must rank yourself up there because as as fight fans, hopefully, once when you do call time eventually, and the dust settles on it, people will realise the epic nights that you gave us, the fights that you took, the challenges that you took on, the crazy challenges that you took on, i.e. Canelo. (laughs) People are saying that you're crazy for taking this one at the weekend, you know what I mean? Where do you view yourself? You know what? I mean, look, I I won a world title. I'm I'm amongst other world champions in in the UK. I'm not bigger than anyone. I'm not smaller than anyone. I'm just pretty amongst them all. The, we are British. Britain has some great champions and had some great champions. I'm just one of them, you know. And I'm not saying I'm bigger than anyone or I've got the biggest name or, you know, I'm just a simple guy. It's just God's been kind and 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 the fans have been very supportive. So, you know, I'm, I'll probably be. Um, just a good mixture with the other champions out there. Like I say, I'm not blowing my own trumpet. It's just brilliant to be in a position like this where I, I've had the opportunity. God's given me the opportunity, uh, and I've also worked so hard for these for these opportunities. So, well, I'll blow it for you, right? Yeah, go when it comes to, when it comes to <laughs> entertainment, yeah, it's never dull when Amir Khan's around. <laughs> no, it's never and dull. And that's what though. fans want. Exactly. We're I mean, paying them money to come and watch your fight. We want yeah. entertainment, and you always provide that. 37 fights and. Obviously, four losses, but even those losses have been exciting. So <laughs> even even sometimes I watch it and think, bloody hell, I am a, too, a bit too exciting at times. I need to maybe sometimes just um, pace myself a little bit. But in this fight against Crawford, I, I can't be making the mistakes. I have to be very switched on. And if it gets boring at times, it gets boring because he's one of them. He's like a counter-boxer as well, a yeah. counter-puncher. So if I have to make it boring just to win get the win, I'm going to do that. Uh, Amir Khan speaking to me a little earlier on this week here in New York City. Wally Downs, junior boxing correspondent for The Sun, has joined myself and Gareth there, Davis, on the table. Thank you so much for your time, mate. One of the questions that I threw out towards Amir there, and obviously he's going to be humble and he's he's, he's not going to give me the answer maybe that I wanted, but it'd be great to get your opinion on this as you've covered his career. Where do you put him in the leaderboard of British fighters over the last maybe 20 years or so? Well, I think obviously a lot depends on tonight. I think if he if he pulls this huge upshot off tonight, then he he flies up to the very top. Um, but at, at the moment, I think he's a crossover star. You know, we've got AJ as a huge crossover star, but he was one of the real originals. And what he did in the Olympics led to a load of funding, um, and also he turned pro on terrestrial TV. So he's changed. British boxing massively. I know AJ gets all the credit for it at the moment, mm. but I think he was the first one to, to really do it for this new generation. It's important that, isn't it? Because obviously you've covered stories in the world of sport, but obviously the Sun as a newspaper will also cover entertainment things as well. And obviously Amma's been on reality TV shows. He's uh, led a, uh, an interesting life. A lot That's of people, colourful. Yeah, a lot of people want to know about his marriage and they want to know about his children and they want to know about all these types of things that he gets involved with. Yeah, I mean, most of us don't. Um, yeah, but, of course. But people do. And I mean, I, I got the, the interview that ESPN did with him, I think, two nights before the fight. And they're asking him about his private life, his marital problems, you know, from, from the past. And he was answering the questions. Very unfiltered, wasn't he? He was answering yeah. the questions about the, the Twitter, you know, fake spat with AJ. Yeah. You know, this guy is two days away from the biggest fight of his life. And he could have shut the interview down. He could have batted it back. He was completely honest. And I don't think many 
people, let alone famous sports people, would be like that. And I think that's why he, his honesty, you know, in and out of the ring is, is what has endeared him to everyone. You know, nans and girls, I heard you guys talking earlier on about how AJ is a crossover star and you go to Wembley and see non-boxing yes. fans there. And again, Amir was someone who, who did that for me sort of originally. Mm. I wonder, Wally, if you agree with this. A great tweet come in from one of our um, listeners tonight, one of the listeners to the show, um, for me and Taylor. Uh, to Adam and myself. The best way to spot a man who knows nothing about boxing if he's an Amir Khan hater. Um, Amir Khan is an absolute shining light, an inspiration, a man who never dodged a good scrap. We had a debate about Kel Brook with a couple of the boys in here earlier as well, but they could, that could well happen. Go smash him, killer Khan. It's true about him, though, that he isn't given the resonance he probably deserves. There was a, we asked him the other day, have you over or underachieved? And I think as much as I love him and respect what he's done, there is a great argument for both. You know, from what he achieved at the Olympics, world champion 22, unified 24. You know, he has been in the wilderness, you know. Um, so maybe he has underachieved. Jungle, jungle, I think he yeah. was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but he has been in yeah, the wilderness yeah. as well. Yeah, because, yeah, right, yeah. because he's, what he's done, there's, there's there, if I can say this, I, don't, I, I know Amir really well and we are friends as well. There is a tranche of Amir's brain. He's so talented and he's been told, he is so talented. He's, he's one of the brilliant fighters offensively we've ever seen. But defensively, He's one of the most vulnerable. It's what makes him exciting. But that's why people are buying a but, ticket. But because of those great qualities, exactly, but because of those great qualities, there's a kind of, there's a, there's a delusional strain running in him that he should be fighting all the best pound-for-pound guys as well. But it's got him to where he is as well. You can call it delusion, you can call it self-belief, you can call it what you want. But he's always chased those big names, and this is it. Yeah, I think delusional is... It's harsh, to be honest. You know, I don't know if I... I'm saying it's a strain. Listen... I think it's a very, very hard fight for him tonight. Floyd Mayweather four years ago was a good fight for him. Yeah. You know, um, Terence Crawford four years on after he's been horribly banjo knocked out in the fifth round in Las Vegas by a man 25 pounds heavier than him in Saul Canelo Alvarez. This is, for me, it's, if he pulls off a great performance tonight, I'll be impressed with him. Just a great performance, let alone, you know, not, not, not on a win, just a great performance. Because he's up against a more difficult opponent than Floyd Mayweather, in my view. Because yeah, he's offensively more threatening. The Alvarez fight has, has taken a lot out of his career. When we spoke to Virgil Hunter, he said he begged him, please do not take that fight. Yeah. But the people in his ears saw pound notes. And, and it's in hope for six rounds, he did look, did look really good. Um, but that was always going to happen, and, and, and apparently that while he was on a stretcher being carried into the hospital to be checked on, he had people around him who were planning to get him the Cotto fight. Yeah. You know, the guys spark out on a, on a gurney yeah. being carried through, so... <laughs> what, what, what was your opinion then, on what you were just talking about there, about uh, asking him the question about overachieving, underachieving, what's your personal opinion? Where, where, where did you put it at? I don't think you can be a two-time world champion and, 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 and say you've underachieved. But it, Olympic it, medalist as well, you know. It, you know exactly. 30 million 30 pounds million in career pounds, earnings. Yeah. I mean, come on. And loved as well. You know, yes. you look at Andre Ward, who's been here all week. Not many people really love Andre Ward. You know, fantastic record, but he's not much loved. He is now. He's gone. Yeah, well, yeah. Weirdly. Not, often happens. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. But yeah, I don't think you could ever... It would be an insult to him to say you you have underachieved because he didn't believe that. He, he just said he's... He's achieved exactly what he what he wanted to, and and I think that's that's pretty fair. Mm. But when you look at him, at, you know, seventeen winning that winning the silver medal, he he maybe should have done more. Um, but I, I don't really think it's down to him. I think maybe the people that advised him at the time, you know, they're probably more accountable for for where his career has got. That that, that Canelo fight, I think, was was life changing and, and so negative in so many ways. Mm. Can I ask you about? I mean, the, the the name Downs, okay. You come from the family 
that produced Terry Downs, one of who who I've got to say at this point had a win over Sugar Ray Robinson. He's a ghost. He's only his ghost. I know he's forty-one at the time, wasn't he? Yeah. Who was regarded as the greatest boxer pound for pound by many people ever. What was it like growing growing up around this brilliant world middleweight champion? I know I know you're a lot younger than him, and he's gone now, of course, and you're fit like fifty years younger. But the stories in remember, the family, story. yeah, the family stories of Terry Downs. Yeah, we used to get to go over uh, to, to where he lived in Hertfordshire and with, with all his family. He'd do he'd do an anniversary sort of party and a barbecue for for the Pender win when he won the world title, and then also for his birthday. As he got older, um, they sort of become less boisterous, but at the brilliant pub that he used to he used to frequent would, would put the old fights on the screen, and, and his old boys, his pals that were there, you know, guys that were 80, 85, was still going through the fights as if he might win it. Wow. You know, the, 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 the losses that he had. He went up to light heavy and had another world title shot. Um, so it was amazing. I mean, it was just great for me, but for my dad who was Wally Downs, he was coming up and he was, no matter how, how what he achieved with Wimbledon, he was always in the paper, Terry Downs' <laughs> nephew. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was probably more of an effect for him. But, well, you know, wonderful, wonderful memories. Um, his funeral was a wonderful affair, um, obviously very, very sad, but when you've lived a life like that, um, achieved what he had going into acting, he ran a load of successful bookies, he had a wonderful family. Um, it's tough to sort of be sad, you yes. know, when it's, it's always sad when someone dies, but, you know... It's he, just he, more he, of a celebration. He achieved, he achieved more than enough. But mm. the family achieved things, like, is it, was it your great-aunt or your grandmother was a... Was a his a sister... Trapeze, his that, sister was a trapeze artist over here in a travelling circus in America. That's why she? he moved, his family moved over here, yeah. He was boxing at Fisher as a kid, um, and she came over here as a trapeze artist, he followed her, went into the Marines, missed out on the Olympics because he wasn't a resident there and had to come over here and start his career again. He had like, a few early defeats. He used to cut terribly, really. Well, you can see it runs in the family. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you've been sparring this week. Yeah, a little bit last night with, yeah. uh, with Declan Taylor, but it's all, <laughs> it's all right. He's only six foot three, you know, so... He, he had the range on you. He, 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 he always does. <laughs> Done far too yeah, many, but you're, far you're too many rounds You're the best over the stretch, though, aren't you, I hear? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. got an engine. Oh, I don't do too bad, yeah. Hmm. Uh, listen, thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Wally. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the nice. fight tonight. Um, Madison Square Garden is the destination. We are uh, providing you, hopefully, a little bit of entertainment tonight as we build up towards that fight between Terence Crawford and Mia Khan. It's fight night special in association with BT Sport. We are live in New York City. It's a fight night special in association with BT Sport, live from New York City. We've got about 55 minutes remaining of this show. Hopefully you're enjoying it. If you missed any part of it, by the way, it will be available as a podcast, which you can get on iTunes. You're looking for Fight Night. Make sure you get on there. And if you could write us a little um, five-star review, it just helps with our prominence in the iTunes chart. You can also get an Android feed um, on our website, talksport.com. Make sure you go and check that out. We're going to hear from Andre Ward, Bob Arum and the like very, very shortly. Uh, alongside me as ever it is uh, Gareth A. Davis and we've just been watching um, what's been going on in London uh, because obviously with the time difference we're quite blessed that we get a lot of fights uh, to enjoy on this uh, Saturday afternoon here in New York City. Dave Allen has been headlining at the O2 against Lucas Brown, a real opportunity for him, a fantastic journey to get himself to the top of the tree at the uh, O2 Arena to headline this card. And we have just witnessed an absolute beautiful knockout. He changed trainers recently. He's been working a lot with Darren Barker. That wasn't barroom slugging. That wasn't a fight on the Weatherspoons car park, my friend. He picked his body shot beautifully and took Lucas Brown out in the third round. Yeah, Lucas Brown previously, of course, uh, uh, a world champion, a lesser world champion, WBA lesser title, I think. Yeah, the um, regular version. The yeah. regular version. And... Um, had only lost to Dillian White previously to this, of course. Um, outboxed for two rounds, Dave Allen was, by 
the Australian, but then hit him with a very low, short left hook to the body. Counter. Counter. Um, uh, he overreached the Australian. And, and Dave Allen, who's a fascinating story, is a, one of my colleagues wrote a piece on him in The Telegraph this week. You know, not what people don't know about the white rhino, as he's called. Um, and what is he, Daddy Telepapi? Papi Della. No, he's the, the Doncaster Dollar de la Hoya, That's isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Now, he, he, I mean, he is a handsome big man. He's great fun. He's a great character. We mentioned him earlier in the show where he stuffs socks down his underpants when, when he weighs in. <laughs> and it's already earned him money with IFL TV and so on. Um... I remember speaking to Dave at the Usyk Bellew fight in Liverpool. He was up there that, that night and just saying to him, if you get it together and have three or four victories, you're so marketable. Yeah. You're so interesting. Just go, this, this, week, this goes back, by the way, to what we were talking with Dave Alorca before. Mm. We're talking about guys that exist on social exactly. media that really manipulate social media well. He's done a podcast well. that's interesting. He does it really well. Yeah, and, and also, but what I loved about the story he did with The Telegraph this week is that Dave suffers, suffers, David Allen suffers from mental health issues as yeah. well. He suffers from depression. He, some weeks he's up, some weeks he's down. For people like that, and I've suffered depression myself, the more you're in the gym, the fitter you are, the more you've got that kinesthetic energy going on, the healthier you, you are. Now, I've talked all kinds of nonsense about Dave on the show. I could see him as a famous chef. I, do you know what I mean? I could see mini-series on him. It's a brilliant victory for him tonight. Some of our colleagues over there, you probably know this well, Adam, are saying that it might be David Price for him now in the yeah, summer. Yeah, with what happened to David Price with the biting situation recently, I believe, we're alluded, we've been led to believe that David Price has been promised the winner of that fight. So, David Price versus Dave Allen on that card that we've just been speaking about, the Dillian White undercard. Against Oscar Rivas. Uh, July the 20th, be London, O2 Arena, I imagine. That's right, yeah. you know. Just okay. The card's building, which is great. Well, you know, that's a great fight. I personally think... Dave Allen versus uh, versus D- David Price. Wow, I mean, I'm intrigued already. I, I think it's a tough fight for David Allen because David Price got the heaviest hands probably in the whole of heavyweight boxing. Frankly, that right hand of his is horrible. You just do not want to be hit but by it. With the confidence that he will have gained from that victory tonight, he'd fancy himself against Price, wouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely, he would. And and as I said to him, and and it's so true. Three or four wins. He, you're in the mix. Th- you're in you're the, mix, in the exactly. mix, my man. Now, listen, you've been catching up with uh, Bob Arum this week. I know that uh, we've been blessed with his company on several occasions on this fight night show on Saturday nights as he's talked about all different aspects of boxing. However, tonight it's about Crawford Khan. His top rank uh, promotions are the people behind the fight. Yeah, and, and Bob's brilliant. I mean, 55 years in the game from Muhammad Ali to Marvin Hagler to Sugar Ray Leonard to Thomas Hearns to Manny Pacquiao. Um, now to Vasyl Lomachenko and Bar- Terence Crawford. All Bob wants to see tonight is an entertaining fight. And he says if that's done, his job's done as a promoter. If Amir wins, I won't look at it as I made a mistake. I would look at it as I did my job. Matching Crawford, arguably one or two on the pound-per-pound list and put him in with a real fight that would test him. If he flunks the test, it's not on me. It's all credit to Amir Khan. You have to understand that I'm a boxing promoter. I've been around for over 50 years. I don't do fights with my really good fighters and give them walkovers. Nobody wants to see that. The more Amir Khan is competitive, the closer he comes to winning, and even if he wins, then the accolades are on me. 
and it won't be a mistake. Bob, looking at Crawford, um, Terence Crawford, Terence Bud Crawford, does he have the potential, in your view, to be as good as the great welterweights in the past, going back to uh, Sugar Ray Leonard at that time and, and Thomas Hearns and, and, and these guys? Does he, uh, Duran, does, does he have the potential and do you think he could have lived with them in their day? Well, Bud Crawford is not the the second coming of Tommy Hearns. He's not the second coming of Roberta Duran. They had different styles and they were different fighters. The closest fighter, great fighter, to uh, Crawford is Sugar Ray Leonard. Second is a fighter that we had that, again, lost focus and didn't uh, really realize uh, the greatness that he had was Donald Curry. Those were the two best welterweights that I have seen of that style. Again, Duran, ferocious, he'd come in, he'd, you know, at Tommy Hearns, big guy, much bigger than a normal welterweight, tremendous punching power, different, different fighters. But Crawford is of the Sugar Ray Leonard, Donald Curry school. And I really believe in my heart that he matches up with those two fighters. Do you think that um, he beats Errol Spence at welterweight as well? Errol Spence is an elite fighter, a welterweight, has the size advantage over Crawford, but yes, I believe that Terence has enough tools to beat Spence in a very close competitive fight. Bob Adam speaking to uh, Gareth a little earlier on this week. Another man that spoke to myself and Gareth uh, was Andre Ward. A true honour to be in his presence this week and get his thoughts on how he thinks this fight is going to play out. You're going to hear that next on this fight night special in association with BT Sport live from New York on Talk Sport. It's a fight night special in association with BT Sport, live from New York. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. We've not got long left. It's flown, this show. Hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed doing it as we build you up towards Crawford versus Khan. Uh, it will be available, by the way, as a podcast, so make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You're looking for fight night. Now, sometimes, right, I think to myself, Gareth's a little bit scatty, he's a little bit of a nutter, right? And then I think to myself... Look at him now. This is when I want him to be at his scattiest. Because this week, my friend, you were ferreting around backstage at Madison. Ferreting is the wrong word. I no, just no. strolled back there. No, I like ferreting. I like ferreting. Um, you all ferreted behind me <laughs> when you weren't meant to be there is what actually happened. But at Madison Square Garden, you managed <laughs> to get us access to one of my favourite yeah. boxers of all time. And a lot of people would say the exact same thing. We said a little bit earlier on that maybe he didn't transcend like he should have transcended. But in the ring... Andre Ward was the king, wasn't he? Well, it's funny, you know, Andre Ward, similarly to our conversations earlier about Bud Crawford, Andre Ward was never going to be anything he wasn't. He was totally authentic the whole time, called himself Son of God for a reason on his, on his uh, social media handles. He's an extremely religious man. He's with his childhood sweetheart. sweetheart. Um, his dad was a big... He's a, hey, by the way, his dad's an Irish-American, you yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. And he was a heavyweight amateur boxer. And he was taken under the auspices of Virgil Hunter at a very young age um, and the trainer of Amir Khan. And, and what Andre... I did the both Kovalev fights that he 
Sergei Kovalev fights that he had. I did the, the Karl Froch fight all those years ago, the final of the classic Super Sixes at Super Middleweight. He was an undefeated double uh, world champion at Super Middleweight and middle and, and, and light heavyweight. We didn't have a chance to ask him in the audio we're going to listen to. About going back at Cruiser? No, no, about coming... <laughs> or, or... Because um, I, I have myself... I always wanted to ask Andre, and I had... A couple of months back, I, I was filming. He's got a brilliant documentary coming out on his life, and I had the privilege of Ooh. his film crew coming and speaking to me for a day for, to have a British voice and going back to that frotch fight in Atlantic City. That's why they wanted me. Um, but I, I went to his favourite cafe in Haywood, where he lives near Oakland, and I asked him what would happen if he'd fought Joe Calzaghe because I'd love to have seen that fight, mm. Ward and Calzaghe. And he was like, you know what? I can't even pick myself to win that fight because I really don't know what would have happened to it. We, so we settled on a split draw in the end mm. yeah but he's a brilliant man he's always stayed true to himself he is a giant at super middleweight when you stand next to him isn't he yes he is can you believe and he fought at light heavyweight and won a gold medal in the olympics by the way mm. the same weight division as muhammad ali he's got it all he has got it all he did it all in the ring and he's doing it all now on television he works for espn he's part of the broadcast tonight he was part of the broadcast at the weigh-in and uh, gareth Gave him the little eyes. He saw us. He came over and we had a little bit of a chinwag. And he gave us his opinion on how it's going to play out this evening. Mr Wood, I've seen many things on from a visual point of view of how you brought this fight down. For our listeners back in the UK, I would love your insight of how you think the game plans are going to gel and how you think this fight's going to play out on Saturday night. Listen, on paper, you know, Amir Khan has shown that he's exceptional. He's great for the first six rounds. And then he starts to look more average beyond the seventh round. I'm hoping that's not the case in this fight. I'm hoping for the boxing fans, for the fans here at MSG, that it's a tremendous fight. Uh, it's not some blowout or something like that, which a lot of people are calling for. Because this is truly Amir Khan's last big opportunity, I believe. Now, he will, he'll, he'll always have the Brook fight kind of in his back pocket. Yeah. But will that fight really have the luster and everything not anymore, that, that Andre, not it's anymore. supposed to have not if anymore. he loses bad tomorrow night. Even if he wins, it's not a big fight anymore. So, you know? I mean, I don't. if he wins, it's going it's to be a big fight in my opinion. It's going to be a huge fight. Probably Wembley. You know better than me, but that's kind of how He Pacquiao, he told me. He'd even like to bring Mayweather back, he but told I mean, me. You know, I mean, you know, Amir's always, you know, for better or for worse, have, have has called out for the big guy. He's mm. all about the massive fight, the big fight. I think he needs to focus on Terence Crawford tomorrow night. I don't want to see how much heart Amir Khan has. Right. I see his resume. I you know want the, the technical ability tomorrow man, night. You got to show heart. You want to in, in, in the in the right amounts at the right time. Yeah, but that starts yeah. here. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. start here. Yeah. He has to follow the game plan to a T against a fighter like Terence Crawford. Because Virgil said that exactly to me. He's got the physical stuff. It's his emotions he's got to control. It's a mental fight for him more than anyone. It's always been a mental one. fight. When yeah. you hear Amir Khan talk, when we heard him in the fighter meeting yesterday, that's what he said. It's all mental. That's mm. what Virgil brings to the table. Mm. Mm. But the problem with the Virgil-Khan relationship is Virgil didn't have him in his formative years like he had me. Exactly. I, he had me since I've been eight years old, So, yes. and I was groomed to be a champion. Well, he's, he's mentioned about rebooting him all the time, hasn't he? Every time you can he do the best to... you can, yeah. and, and it's possible. Yeah. But you got to have the right charge. you got to have the right horse to take the information mm. and then show the application. Mm. Amir's issue has never been information. He'll say all the right things. It's yeah. about application, not information. Yeah, but he does get drawn into... He's naturally wanting a toe-to-toe -to -toe war by the sixth or seventh But you see what has got him all these years. Like, Do you want to keep reliving that over and over again? No, you don't. How many yeah, times yeah. you got to be down there before you realize, ah, I made a mistake, I shouldn't have done that? You got to learn. Mm. And hopefully he's learned to put on a great fight tomorrow night. It's, it's, listen, he can win. This is boxing. It's unscripted. It's just not likely. Mm. But I'm, I'm, I always leave the door open for a guy to do what my father used to say. Rise to the occasion. Mm.
It'd be brilliant to see one last great performance in him that made a, a thriller. You know yourself, this is a hallowed on, mecca man. for boxing. This, this was the this big magic one that, dust here, isn't MSG it? was the big one that got away from me. Yeah, exactly. It's true. It's I know so the true. executives and they're like, man, we want you here. Come on. You could that's, always come back and have one. You could always come back and have one. Why don't we want you back? I keep hearing Do you know that. you're more popular? You must feel it. You are more popular now than you ever were in your box. Possible. It's possible. So when, we, co when we coming back then? I'm, I'm relaxing right now. Man. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself, but I, I will tell you this. I do miss it. We um, miss you. I miss it. I miss mm. it a lot. Mm. I can see it in your eyes. It's happening. It. It's happening, baby. I'm We're going to get it that. again. Listen, just a quick one on Terrence. How good is he in your eyes? Man, I have number one pound for pound, and I, and I don't, you know, is that say... over Lomachenko, yeah? I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't say that lightly. Um, that means irrespective of weight class, you are the best fighter in the world. And some people say, well, I don't, he doesn't have a name on his record. Well, he's fought the best guys that was available to him in the 40-pound division, the 47-pound well, not the 47, he's working his way up. Mm -hmm. He's facing the best guys available now. Like, the yeah. top, top guys oh, aren't yeah. available now for whatever reason. He's facing those guys, and he's doing, the way he's doing them, he's making them look the way they're supposed to look. He's not getting decisions. He's not getting split decisions like, oh, Terrence barely won. He's destroying them. He's making it look ugly. So, that leaves room for me to just kind of, you know, have an imagination and say, man, if he's doing that to these guys that are solid belt holders, unified a division at 40, came up to 47, and is doing that to these types of guys, I, I mean, I think he's going to fare well against the other top guys. Even Spence. And Errol I love Spence. Spence. I've said it from day one, and I'm going to stand on That's a 50-50 fight. Yeah. I don't have yeah, a pick yeah, in that fight. Yeah, yeah. Split, they got to fight the fight. Draw. <laughs> Hopefully draw. not a split drop. Yeah, well, let's have you back soon, please. Appreciate we know you're commentating and you, there's a documentary being made about your life at the you're moment that you're making. There's all kinds of things you're doing. You're part of the, the Jordan family, yeah. aren't you? Um, just on busy. that, by the way, just on that. Get a picture of them. Yeah, look at that. Look at oh, just, just Have a Nike day, it. that's what they say. Have a Nike day. <laughs> but, but, you know... It'd be lovely to have you back, genuinely. And I've said it three times on this little chat. But I appreciate that. Yeah, man. yeah. We, you, Feels we good to you. be wanted. Feels good to be yeah, loved. Good. Andre Ward speaking to myself uh, and Gareth a little. Well, it was yesterday, wasn't it? Now all the all the days are actually merging into one. As they do in the, on they, these events, because you just never stop working, and it do. just it just melds into one, doesn't it? But listening to him speak, I mean, it, listen. There, there are certain people that I just sit listen and learn from and within what was it a little four or five minute conversation with him yesterday you learn so much and he just seems to put it so well in layman's terms he's crossing over well isn't he into the uh, television game yeah i've always felt that with andre and and um he's always been likable he's always consistent he's always considered and that's the kind of He's a role model from boxing. He never put a foot wrong. He was careful with his money. Um, he ended with those two wins over Sergei Kovalev. Well, he you, you say ended. We alluded to well, that. Well, no, but he maybe did. Maybe a comeback. I, I'm not sure he will. No, I don't think he will. I'm, I mean, only be, I'm, be, I'm just talking as a, as a want. Three, is that for nearly three years? It's two years two ago. Years. Um, the, the, the thing is this. He doesn't need to come back. He's got loads of growing concerns and going concerns. Um, he's itching. Because he sees it all happening. We, that's what he's saying in that conversation. But he wants a piece of the... He wants but, it. He misses, he misses the razzmatazz. He misses the dust. He misses it. Yeah, but, but the thing is about him, he will never go out better than he did. Because he was number... Floyd had just retired. I know Floyd came back and fought Conor McGregor. We don't count that. He wasn't number one no. pound for pound in the world anymore. Andre Ward retired from boxing with an unblemished record. No CTE. His faculties utterly intact. Yeah. Um... Very clean living, 
and as number one pound for pound in multi-weight the world. Multi-weight world champion get as well. Multi-weight world champion. It doesn't get better than that. I'd love to see him back. I'd love to, I want to see him fight people like Anthony Joshua. I want to see him. <laughs> no, seriously. I do. I do. He's got the skills. Um, I'd love to see him fight Alexander Usyk at heavyweight. Yeah. What a great fight that would be. <laughs> I think Andre Ward goes like, down like, for me in the pound for pound greatest Americans in boxing I've ever met. I could, I'd agree. I'd agree yeah. with that. The uh, like, But as you said, he's got so many different business interests. We we alluded to the, tri- uh, the the sneaker deal, as they say over here, his deal with Nike. Everything he's doing. I mean, he was in the Creed movies. He was the one of the bad guys in the Creed movies, wasn't he? Him and Bellew got on really well. Uh, Tony well, Bellew got on really well together, during that. They, no, but I remember Tony saying, God, Ward is such a top man. And when Tony likes someone, they're nice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because if there's a side to someone, Tony will spot it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's a top guy. He really is. And even though it was only five minutes being in his presence, you kind of felt I'm I'm I'm, I'm amongst something quite special. Here, well, as we go mean? on, we're going to meet more of these people. Adam, I'm sure we will, and mate. we're going to become their friends. <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved him. I've always yeah, loved he's the a guy. Top guy. Hopefully, you enjoyed that conversation there and listening to uh, Andre Ward of how he th- sees this fight going a little bit later on. I'm sure you probably think along the same lines as him. He just puts it in a far better uh, articulate way than I would. Um, that's. Uh, Andre Ward, obviously speaking to us early on. We've still got quite a lot to get through before the end of this show. Um, Richard Comey, Richard Comey was in. Uh, we haven't done our picks yet, either me and you. Mm. Well, we're going to do that by the end of the show, yeah. I think we're going to have to go round betting because I think both of us are going to go the same way. Anyway, we'll do that in a moment or two. Um, Richard Comey, the IBF lightweight champion, is in attendance because there's certainty of Fimo Lopez on the card here who might, might not pick up a belt at some point this year, and therefore a unification clash might be staring us in the face. We're going to hear from him next. <laughs> It's a fight night special in association with BT Sport live from New York. You can watch Crawford versus Calm uh, on BT Sport box office, and I thoroughly recommend that you do so. It will be entertainment guaranteed. Now, last weekend, we saw another Englishman attempting to uh, topple a pound-for-pound great in Anthony Crawler, taking on Vasil Lomachenko. Anthony Crawler got that opportunity. Yes, he was mandatory challenger for that WBA belt, but he got that opportunity uh, because the IBF champion, Richard Comey, was out with an injury. However... He was in attendance yesterday at the weigh-in. So me and Gareth decided to stick a microphone in his face and have a little bit of a chat with him. Look who we're with, Richard Comey. IBF champ, how are you, my man? I'm very well. First, firstly, congratulations on becoming the champ. Sensational fight, but sensational achievement. Look at that cheesy grin. You're still, you're still loving life as world champion. Uh, yeah, thank you, man. I thank God. I thank God. Uh, the management team, Michael Amubidiaku, I mean, Lou Bella and everyone that has helped me get to where you know, I am today. And God bless them all. Now, obviously, you're in town. We know it's Crawford Khan, but on the undercard, there's a certain young man called Tiafimo Lopez who's making a little bit of noise in your weight division. We know that there's noises um, in and around Lomachenko. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to uh, get together and unify. What is the, what's, what's the next stages for you? Are, you? are you any further down the line of maybe getting that unification with Vasil Lomachenko? Yeah, you know, at the moment, um, uh, at the moment, I just go back and looking forward to my uh, next fight, which is going to be somewhere uh, June 28th, and that's where I'm looking up to. And... It's really, really definite, and I know in the future, because I'm a boxer and I'm a world champion, I want to fight the, the best out there, but it's all depend on the management and then the, uh, the promoters, you know, to see, but at the moment, I'm just looking for my next fight, which is going to be uh, maybe June 28th, and then we'll see what happens afterwards. Who, who, Richard? And yeah, get many congratulations on me on winning the title as well. It's a brilliant division to be in. I'm sure you feel that because there are so many kind of career-defining fights around at the moment, aren't there, with great names. Who are you expecting it to be around that time? Who are you looking to fight then? 
Well, you know, you know, for me, when I start, I don't really like, I don't really mention names, you know. But it doesn't matter who, who like, it doesn't really matter who comes in front of me in the ring, you know. I wanna, I'm a watch, I wanna fight the best out there. But for me, my focus is solely on uh, my next one. But it doesn't matter all the big guys, whether unification, if everything, everything went on cool, and I have to fight, I don't have a problem fighting any of them. But from a fan's point of view, I mean, I'm selfish, so I'm gonna go from a fan's point of view, yeah. I want the big ones. That's what we want. We want that. We want the unifications. We want all the belts on the line. Yeah, we want to see you and Lomachenko. Maybe you and Mikey Garcia if he stays at one three five. You and Tia Fimo. We want to see it. I want that as well. I really want that as well. But you know, like I said, I don't really like to mention it. But when it's happened, so be it. You know, I really want it. I want to be the best that Ghana has ever produced or the best Africa has ever produced. And maybe through me, people will know that, yeah, we Africans, especially back home in Ghana, we've got people that yeah. need this chance. When you give them the chance, they will give you their all. And someone like me, you know, it's really, really hard for me to get where I am. And I ain't going to be, I, I'm not going to be an easy to get this title off me. No way, it ain't going to happen. You're not getting the same love that our Ghanaian Joshua Boetsi is getting in the UK, yeah, because he had the Olympic medal for us. So you, you were over in the UK, because British listeners might not know this, you were over in the UK for a couple of years, and mm-hmm. like a lot of people, people just go on the exodus to America because maybe it is easier to make it over here. You know, um, I was there in the UK, I had a chance to fight for uh, when I won the, uh, IB, uh, the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. IB, uh, the lightweight common, mm-hmm. Commonwealth title. Lokambe was number two, he didn't want to fight me, all these names and Aspar, Kevin Mitchell, Aspar, and you know, no one from the British or no one from uh, from from Britain want to fight me. And the, the I think names, that yeah, yeah. you know, you need to stop knocking people out. Then maybe they'll fight yeah. you when you stop knocking people out. You know, honestly <laughs> speaking, it's not about me knocking people. It's just going there to give my heart, and you know, whatever comes out of it, you know, I thank God for it. You know, because I work so hard, and, and like I said, ah, whatever comes in front of me, I want to be fight. But before then, you never know what might happen. If I had to fight for the unification, most definitely I'm ready. I'll be ready for that. Talk to me about uh, African fighting at this moment, because me and Gareth, uh, we follow a lot of mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts is going boom at this moment in time, especially in Nigeria with Kamaru Usman doing extremely well. And we just had Israel Adesanya do extremely well there as well. from Nigeria. (laughs) Absolutely. Naganu. Exactly. Uh, Francis Naganu. So big boys. So big boys, right? Cameroonian. Now, in the world of boxing, we've done things with uh, Isaac Dogby, who was a world champion as well. African fighting in general, not just boxing, but fighting in general, it's really on the rise, yeah? Like we fight every day in our lives because yeah. nothing was given to us, uh, I mean, free or in the silver platter. We had to fight for it. So, I mean, that's part and parcel of us. We never give up. And wherever we go, we have to, you know, we have to fight before we can get what uh, supposed to be given to us. Yeah. You know, so that's that's the nature. And I don't really know much more about African boxing, but I know for sure about my Ghanaian people. And we're strong. We never give up. And, you know, man, I mean, maybe through me, people might be looking at going back to Ghana and trying to invest in some of the boxes out there because we got a lot. That's important, isn't it? I mean, you've done bits with uh, Zelani Tete as well, helping him out. Yeah, in South Africa. I mean, he's an incredible man. You know, how he, how he squeezed into flyways at one time, I'll never know. I don't know if you've yeah. met him, but he's like 5'11 nearly. But regarding funding of African oh, sports, listen, helping listen, him out the, and getting the, stuff. The, the gym that Zelani Tete grew up in... Um, you know, I'm still involved in helping to try and send even second-hand equipment over there. He said there used to be two gloves that people would wear, one glove each, and queue up to hit the big bag. And the queue would go right out of the gym into the street. People queuing to... It's, I mean, it brings tears to my eyes when I think about it. And, like, that's 
where champions are made, though, in many ways. I think that about Bud Crawford with Khan tomorrow night. He's come up a really hard way. He didn't make it into the Olympic team. He's, he was beaten as a child by his mother by sticks, cords, electric cords. I mean, he calls it tough love, but I think at the time, but it just makes people tough. He got shot in the back of his head. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know these stories. You come yeah. from that. And that's why we love you. We that's love right. telling your stories, you know, because yeah. they're inspirational. Yeah, I mean, they are, because, uh, you know, coming back from Ghana, especially where you got to fight to earn your respect, you know. Mm. For example, mates are walking and misunderstand, you got to fight. And then once I beat you up, you know, oh, you ain't going to talk to me anyhow anymore. Then we move on. And that's the kind of living that we ever come in Ghana. Is that in Accra? Was that yeah, Bukum yeah. Accra, yeah, Jimstown. Yeah. Have, have you noticed since becoming world champion that young boys and girls are maybe Instagramming you and, and, and on social media saying, listen, you're inspiring me, I'm going to put some gloves on and I'm going to do my thing. Yeah, you know, back home in Ghana, you know, I walk to it, everyone tell me, come on, they call me the young kid, they get, people want to, you know, they want to do boxing, man. They, they, and they're like, Chan, want to be like, you know, if, you know everywhere, because, you know, we just like a small place and yeah. we know each other. And, you know, when you're there with them, everyone knows you and, you know, everyone just want to hear something from you. And, you know, it's just an amazing stuff. And I pray that one day, you know, with uh, Rishikome, Streetwise uh, Management and also Streetwise Foundation, we're going to help bring these guys up because they've got it, man. They've got it. You can see the real talent out and they're they strong. They, they just want to go in and then fight. You're, lead, you're leading it, leading it, leading the generation. Remember, it's it's a country as well. I was just looking up here on the list, names I'd forgotten. Ike Corti, Azuma Nelson. That's right. Absolute legends of the sport. Because the toughness is there in the DNA, isn't it? It's, That's right. You have warriors in the DNA. That's right. And all we, all you're from need. that line, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, actually, I actually Richard Comey, one of the best and ever uh, uh, lightweight boss organizers ever produced, this back. And he's from the same tribe that I came there from. Go. He there got go. my name, Richie uh, Oblite Comey. Yeah, nice. So wow. it's like, it's in, it's, in, it's, it's in it, it's in the DNA. So, <laughs> you know, I ain't worried about who I'm going to fight. When the, when, the, when, the tribe, when, the, when the tribe wanted to be fed, you were the guys hunting the giant buffalo. That's right. Right way back. That's it. We know that. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Isn't That's it. it. Yeah. Feel it. And the buffalo that we're hunting now is Lomachenko Garcia. We're, 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 you might not call them out, but I'm going to call them out for you. They're the fights that we want to make. Let's make those fights, yeah? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll be ready. <laughs> Who wins tomorrow night? Carl Crawford, by the way. Who wins tomorrow night? Uh, man, uh, it's going to be a hardcore, but I think uh, uh, Crawford, maybe later rounds, is going to take it. Richard Comey speaking earlier on uh, to myself and Gareth A. Davis. He's a very likeable guy, Richard, isn't he? You know, he's one of those guys that has obviously got one of the world titles now at light heavyweight. He's the IBF champion. He's talking the talk, isn't he? There, he's giving. He's gi not at light heavyweight. What did I say? Did I say light heavyweight. It's because I'm still on Andre Ward. Mode, yeah, exactly. Well, you're, you're stuck on Andre Ward. <laughs> but he is one of those guys. That obviously, Lomachenko's what we would class as the man at this mm -hmm. moment in time at lightweight. Richard Comey, he's a big threat. The kid can punch. Very rangy. It's a very interesting fight, that, between him and Lomachenko. I personally think Lomachenko comes through, but it's a fight. Let's unify the division. Let's yeah, make it look, happen. Lomachenko is the best lightweight in the world for me. Um, he's a featherweight fighting at lightweight. Remember, he's come up two weight divisions. And um, Comey is one of those guys, like, as we were mentioning there, Ike Quarty, Azuma Nelson, Joshua Clotty, we didn't mm. mention, who fought um, Manny Pacquiao all those years ago in the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Um, these are guys who because of their upbringing, because of their physicality, are always a challenge for anyone. And I, I agree with you. You said earlier on, he's here tonight because of Tiafimo Lopez, mm. not for anyone else. And this is a guy that could step up to 
to uh, light welterweight as yeah. far as I'm physically. I mean, we saw him yesterday. Well, he said yesterday that he's he, going up after exactly. a year. He's, he's capable of it. Yeah. Um, him against Teofimo Lopez, who is a knockout artist at the moment, a young 21-year-old bristling knockout artist. Um, that fight, and that's why they've got him here. They've invited him here. They want him ringside. They want him looking at Teofimo Lopez in his, mm. in his eyes. Who um, might fight for a, maybe the, a vacant version of a belt if Mikey Garcia vacates? That yeah, the WBC, WBC title. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but Luke Campbell, our British of course. lightweight, is in the mix as well. That's what's so exciting that the chess pieces are moving in that division at the moment, and we have got four or five extraordinary I think it's fights. Red hot. It is really is red hot. We've got four or five extraordinary fights to have. But I do. I have a romance about fight sports, as you know. I love a backstory, Adam, and you know, I, I felt tears in my eyes talking to Comey yesterday. You know. Um, it wasn't because my trousers were too tight after a long day at the weigh-ins. It, it was no, it was it was it was so pleasing that he was so responsive to us talking about what Africans can do, what African fighters yeah. can do for their people, how, how they can resonate around the world, how they can project uh, problems and issues. Listen, there's a huge middle class in Africa, and we get this wrong sometimes. You know, there were things around sport relief where Africans were saying, hang on a minute, we do have a middle class, but when they're from very poor areas, and from the area he's from particularly, mm. those boxers are the people that that populace looks up to. And Comey is from a long line of, of great men, frankly. Mm. Um, and I just I just hope he gets the big fights because he hasn't been promoted enough yet for my, in my view. One of the interesting things that come out of the conversation once we'd actually switched the microphones off and carried on the conversation, as we always do with these fantastic men that we meet and women on a week-by-week on a -week basis, um, was him talking about his hometown have, by populace having... You know, the the most amounts of world champions uh, worldwide. They, 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 they've generated the most amount compared to any other city on the planet, which I found absolutely fascinating. No, I mean, it's extraordinary. You go through, you know, with the likes of, um, you know, all the way back to, um, as I say, um, Ike Corti, Azuma Nelson, Isaac Dogbo, Richard mm. Comey, um, Joshua Clotty. Am I repeating myself? <laughs> um, but it goes on and on and on. And they are from one small township. And and they know what they have. I remember Manny Pacquiao hitting Joshua Clotty in front of 68,000 68, people at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. It's about seven or eight years ago, the fight. And in the end, he was hitting him. He got he got warned by the referee. He was hitting with the left and right hand at the same time to the side of the head because he couldn't put a dent in him. Mm. There's something about the density physically, the physicality of these people, and it runs in the DNA. It's warrior. It, 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 they are warriors, as he said. He agreed with my big white buffalo or my big buffalo hunt thing. That's what they started doing. When everyone else was planting seeds, they were up at 3 a.m. getting the fire started, having a little bit of potion, and away they went <laughs> for the kill. <laughs> a little bit of potion. Uh, he is a, a, a very likeable guy, Richard Comey, the, the IBF lightweight champion. Um, we've still got a little bit to get through because you had a, a conversation yesterday with um, the author... Biographer of Muhammad Ali. Oh, I'll tell you something, you're going to love this conversation because this is, we're going to a historic building in a moment or two, the Madison Square Garden, and I'll tell you something, this conversation that you're going to hear next on Fight Night is history guaranteed. Stick around, you listen to Talk Sport.
It's a fight night special in association with BT Sport, live from New York. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis has been alongside me. If you've missed any part of this show, I'm going to... I'm, listen, I know we're tooting our own horn here. It's been a cracker. Make sure you get the podcast. It's uh, on iTunes uh, near enough straight after the show. You're looking for fight night. Uh, don't forget the uh, the fight between Crawford and Khan uh, is available on BT Sport box office. We've been at Madison Square Garden through the, throughout the majority of the week for all the different things that have been going on. Uh, and I caught out the corner of my eye, Gareth A. Davis sat down uh, to a man that has written several, uh, several uh, biographies on Muhammad Ali and various other people, uh, Thomas Hauser. We are going into a historic uh, building in a moment or two, and I'll tell you something, this guy knows a thing or two about boxing. Take a listen to this. Madison Square Garden is known as so many different things to boxing. It's hollowed ground, it's the mecca of boxing. We all understand that a long time ago, the action moved out of here to Las Vegas and other venues around the world, but there's still something magical about a big fight in the big arena. Where were you? They had bigger fights than Con Crawford, absolutely, but it's still a fun event. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the fight that so many people point to is the fight of the century, 1971, between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier here. There were weird things going on all over the city that day, people having heart attacks, cinemas selling seats in front of and behind screens because so many people were interested. But Lancaster work ringside and Frank Sinatra, it was an incredible night. Uh, where were you in 1971 on that night? In 1971, I had just graduated from law school. I was clerking for a federal judge in New York. I read in the newspaper that Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier were fighting at Madison Square Garden. I rode away for tickets. So on that night, I was sitting in the last row of the mezzanine at the end of Madison Square Garden. It was the first fight I ever went to, and I literally was there when Muhammad Ali fought Joe Frazier. I didn't realize the twists and turns that would come later on. Eventually, I'd leave law, become a writer, and become Muhammad Ali's biographer. I can tell you that it was a very exciting night. Did, you, did any of that occur to you on that night in your mind when you watched these two figures, these formidable figures who were fighting for the richest prize in sport at the time, that you might go on? Was there any inkling that you'd go on and no, I, be a biographer for Ali? I had no sense at all that I'd become a writer. Uh, I had just graduated from law school. At the time, I was interested in going into politics. John Kennedy had been my boyhood hero. So if you had asked me then, what did I envision for myself in the future, I would have said law and maybe politics. Then after five years in the litigation department of a large Wall Street law firm, I got bored. I said, okay, what do you want to do when you grow up? Writing seemed like a wonderful lifestyle to me. Nice way to reach out to people, affect change. So I turned to writing. I began writing in 1977. In 1983, I started working on The Black Lights, which was my first book about the sport and business of boxing. And then in 1988, Muhammad Ali came calling. And then when the internet revolution came, I got drawn into this business on a daily basis. And as you well know, some of the best people we've ever met in our lives are in boxing. Some of the worst people we've ever met in our lives are in boxing. But it is never boring. No, and it's never, of course, it, well, uh, only this week, of course, an event here on June the 1st with Anthony Joshua's debut here, affected by, like you say, another non-boring event, the Gerald Miller test positive for a banned substance. Um, 
You've been around, I've known you a long time, you've been around through Amir Khan's kind of American sojourn through the States, fighting here, it's his ninth fight in America. How is he viewed in America, in your view, Amir Khan? I can only tell you how I view Amir yeah. Khan. Amir Khan was once better than anybody Terence Crawford has ever fought. I agree. Whether or not he's still better than anybody Terence has ever fought is a matter of question. Mm. I don't see this as a gimme. Mm. Certainly in the early rounds, I think Amir will make it very interesting because he has skills, but I don't know how much Amir has left physically or mentally. You know, the older you get, the less your body responds to what you tell it to do and the harder it is to take the punches. And the effects of the journey as well, the, the horrible, brutal, banjoing knockouts three years ago at T-Mobile Arena by a man 25 pounds heavier in Saul Canelo Alvarez, you know, the Danny Garcia knockout, um, you know, the, 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 the mental fragility for Khan knowing that, you know, he wants to engage in a war but he can't and he's got fast hands and he wants to use them. It's a very difficult one because he's still a big calling card. He is actually a star, even though he's not one of the big stars of boxing anymore. Well, look, Amir has not lived up to the potential that we saw in him when he won a silver medal as a 17-year-old prodigy yeah, at the yeah, Olympics. Yeah. He's had a credible pro career. I don't know anybody who thinks realistically that he's going to beat Terence Crawford. But I do think he's going to make it interesting for a while, and there are no short things in boxing. You One are... punch in the wrong place can short circuit a lot of fine tuning. Yeah, well, it's very well put. I mean, you are renowned as well for, for following the journey of fighters in their dressing room on fight night. I got to do that myself with, with Tyson Fury when he fought Deontay Wilder, by the way. I know we're not on air, but I want to tell you about this. I had the last hour with him in his dressing room, and I found it's the first time I've done it, really, and it was an extraordinary experience. It's, it's very enlightening, that last 60 minutes before they go and fight. You've done that many times. Is Bud Crawford one of those guys you're going to end up going in the dressing room with? I had hoped to do Bud Crawford's dressing room on Saturday night. I've been cleared by uh, Terence Crawford, Brian McIntyre, Top Rank, the New York Commission, and then ESPN made it known that they only wanted ESPN media it's in the shame. dressing room. Yeah. And I think it's a shame because what I love about that experience is I feel like I'm writing for history. I ask myself, what would it mean for history if somebody had been in Joe Lewis's dressing room writing What would have been recorded exactly? Yeah, yeah. for when he fought Max, Max Schmeling or Ray Robinson before he fought Jake Lamada. And we don't have that as often as we could, but I like writing those pages. For How good is Terence Crawford going to be? Bob Arams told me that, that Sugar Ray Leonard, he, he thinks he has the skills of, and he reminds him of Marvin, Marvelous Marvin Hagler because he never takes a dollar out of his pocket. Yeah, um, when, when Sugar Ray Leonard was 31, he had fought Wilfredo Benitez, Thomas Hearns, Roberto Duran, and Marvin Hagler, and Terence Crawford has fought Julius Ndongo. And maybe Yuri Okiskambo, yeah, that was an exciting yeah, fight. As well. One of the big disappointments to me as a boxing fan is that with all the crazy money that is flowing into boxing these days, it's being used not to make the big fights, but to keep the big fights from happening. It's destroying the sport. I really think that you will not have a mainstream sport until the big fights are allowed to happen. 
Um, and obviously on June the 1st, they haven't found the opponent yet for Anthony Joshua. But what's your feeling, Tom, about you'd have a sense of this? Can Joshua make it big? Obviously, Tyson Fury made a big splash last December and everyone loves him in America and they want to know more about him. Has Joshua got what it takes to be a big star over here? Well, that's correct. Most people in America have no idea who Tyson Fury is. If he walked through Times Square today... I think some people would know who he is. Some people would know who yeah, he but, is, but, but you most know, he's not LeBron James. I most know that. wouldn't. He just, he's, not, he's not recognizable to people in this country. And part of the problem is that you have so many champions and so many weight divisions. Yeah. If we walked through Times Square and asked 100 people who's the heavyweight champion of the world, the answer you'd get most is, well, I don't think it's Mike Tyson anymore. Very few people would say, well, Anthony Joshua has this belt, and Tyson Fury's the lineal, and Deontay Wilder is WBC. We need one champion. And, you know, there was a brief period of time where the heavyweight division seemed to be alive. Seemed. And now, <laughs> look, let's face it, all three guys are fighting opponents who the public really doesn't know. Yeah, they've created a, triang a triangle, basically, now, haven't they? And it's hard to see how either of the three at the moment steps inside that triangle. Which is a tragedy for boxing. Yeah. But, you know, we have other problems in the world that are more serious than yeah, that. true, true. If that's the worst thing that happens to us as boxing fans this year, it'll be a good year. Brilliant to speak to you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. The brilliant writer Thomas Hauser there catching up with Gareth uh, yesterday at the weigh-ins. Fantastic stories. Steeps in history. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, that conversation. And if you missed any part of it, if you came to it late, it will be on the podcast. So make sure you get stuck into it. Uh, that's it for Fight Night tonight, live from New York City. Just before we clear off, we're going to have to do predictions, aren't we? We're going to yep. have to. I think we're both in the same ballpark. Go on, what do you think? I'm predicting I'm not going to get run over crossing that big road now to <laughs> Madison Square Garden as we head in there, Ed. Um... Amir Khan to look brilliant for the first four or five rounds. Terence Crawford to, 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 to sound him out, feel him out. But I do think Crawford will catch up with him, find the door open in around the seventh or eighth round, knock him out with a counter left hook. Oh, you've gone really precise. Seventh or eighth round, exactly. I will go Terence Crawford round eight after Amir Khan. Maybe being ahead on the cards as well. Um, I hope you get stuck into it. It's available for you on BT Sport Box Office. It's entertainment guaranteed. We'll catch you next week. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.